All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And do we have an episode for you guys today? This was uh, with the help of David Pearson and Kyle McCoy of the American Rally Originals. The idea kind of stemmed from then. I was like, yeah, we, we, we need to do that. So if you guys read the description, you've been listening or watching and following along on the social medias, you got an idea of what's going on. But if not, and this is news for you, we've got a good episode this time around. And what it is, you may ask, well, we are going to attempt the perfect podcast episode. We are going to try and get all 10 Americans that are going to be participating in the 2023 Dakar Rally on one episode. So let's see if we can do it. It'll be a little bit of a challenge, but we've already got a few people queued up and ready to go. So I'm absolutely looking forward to that. Dakar Rally, don't forget, coming up in January, not too far away. We're also approaching Rally Month right now in August. Kotar Rally just closed up. September is going to be the rally dates for those guys. And then in October, you've got Baja Rally and then Sonora Rally as well. So stay tuned for more information on that. But in the meantime, let's get to the episode. We have got David Pearson and Kyle McCoy on the line now. Let's turn the party down here. Gentlemen, are you guys there? We're here. Nice. David? Kyle? You got me. Nice. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome. And first off, congratulations before we go any further. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. So, David, we'll start with you. Let's talk about this announcement. What was, uh, when did it come through? When did you get your, I'm going to Dakar? Uh, came across the board for me about 6.30 on Friday morning. It was, uh, we, we'd all we've all been kind of waiting for it to happen and it, and it just kept not happening. It kept not happening. And then at six 30, it happened. It was like a huge release. It was amazing. Nice. What about you, Kyle? Yeah. Same time. And, uh, you know, they sent them out all sort of at the exact same time. And I, and I would say the significance of it having done it once before is that there was a bit of a delay this year relative to years past. And, I'm not exactly sure of the rationale for that yet, but I think it's because they've reduced the number of riders. There's a lot of speculation around this right now. Mm-hmm. And they were having a challenging time deciding who was in because certainly the demand is there, but they've reduced the number of riders. Nice. Well, and they've, they've, uh, they've made some changes too going into this year. Longer stages or more stages, I should say. Uh, and then if I'm not mistaken, uh, now we're, we're going to go more with the standardized prologue instead of stage one, a one B kind of deal. That's right. Yeah. So, um, prologue and then 14 stages as opposed to 12 and looking back at the history, the last time it was that many stages was 2009. So they're, they're definitely taking it, you know, ratcheting up the, the competition and the distance. Yeah, the the cra- I read, and the crazy thing for me was that they were going to have almost like seventy percent all new special stages, and every special stage was going to run around four hundred and fifty kilometers, which meant the liaison sections are going to be a lot shorter. Ultimately, I don't know if you're going to ride a lot different, or you're going to ride a lot less, but you're going to ride 
a lot more race miles as compared to liaison miles. That's so, so longer, even longer days. And not only, well, wait, but not even that. What's the other, um, did you, I don't know, maybe you guys will be the, the source of truth on this. Uh, and now I'm also about the AB routes where they were talking about mixing up the routes for the riders as well. Yeah, the reality is there's confusion, a little bit of confusion on this right now. But my read of it, and I'll let David answer, is that the course, each day's course will be the same, but waypoints will vary between two different riders. Uh, Is that your understanding, David? David? I might have lost him there temporarily, but <laughs> that, that's the con- yeah exactly. That's the that's the challenge right now is that um, and may, you know when we when we talk to some of the other writers, Ricky might know, but my understanding um, is that there are two different road books. That part is certain. The question is, and I don't see how they could change the route for each for two different riders. So the question is, is it just the waypoints that vary slightly? And I believe that's the answer. Okay, gotcha. So they'll they'll kind of uh, it makes sense, right? Um, the WPMs won't be in the same spot necessarily for each rider. My my vision was when they get into like say a canyon or or a dune or something of significance that you know some people are going to take the the north side of it and some people are going to take the south side of it or something along those lines. I guess they they said that they're going to have A and B routes that will be assigned randomly and how they really manage that is going to be a just going to be an interesting challenge. Um, I have thought about it a number of ways. I, um, you know, part of me thinks it's only going to be in true OPHP sections, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they how they run that. It'd be good questions for Ricky and Skyler. You know, I think of the 10 of us that are going two or, Two or three are pro riders. Is, is Jacob on the pro ticket? Uh, I, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at it. I think he, obviously, privateer. Yeah, I believe he's on the dust team as well with Ace, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I bet. You know, I know we're going to attempt this feat of getting all 10 Americans on this podcast tonight and I'm excited. And Barney's like, well, Mason, like, is is he a pro guy or is he a privateer guy you know that'd be interesting maybe that's a good question for him yeah all right i'm i'm, I'm messaging one of our guests i'm not not giving away the uh, the whole guest list <laughs> all right but if you guys well, have been paying attention for those playing the home game would know who the 10 americans are cool all right so the next guest is lined up and waiting for us but okay so the acceptance letters went out and everything. Let's talk about you guys and the, the focus. Like now, now we're, is, is this the home stretch or is there another, like, we still got to make it to this point and then we're on the home stretch. I would say, maybe I'll jump in David. I'd say, you know, this is the home stretch. Um, we started very early, uh, you know, I, I, you know, basically started chatting with these guys shortly after finishing in 2020 in the, in the, you know, the supported class. 
And we've been working on it for, I don't know, a year and a half now. So it's gone by pretty fast and a lot of work's gone into it. Now we're on the home stretch. Are we there yet? Definitely not. But, but we, uh, we're making final preparations. Nice. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny how things have, they slow and, you know, and life sometimes is slow, slow, slow. Then it's fast, fast, fast. Then it goes slow, slow, slow. And, so we've had a few gyrations like that, and clearly after Friday, things are starting to move fast, fast, fast again, you know? Mm-hmm. What are the, uh, I mean, and now that things are moving and, and kind of pushing towards that, uh, what, like bikes and, and preparation and what, I mean, like, are there like physical things that are already set in motion? Like um, the bikes are already ready over there or where are we? Yeah. To, to speak for the American Rally Originals, which I remind us is, Internet break. I need- might have lost him shortly. I'll finish what he was going to say because I know it well. There are five <laughs> of us. There are five of us in the American Rally Originals class, which is the, you know, that's just a team name we came up with. We're the original. David, I'm just filling in there because we lost you temporarily. We're the original, you know, the first attempts at finishing uh, in the Malimoto now called the original by Motul class. So the five of us, we are definitely, um, you know, on the final final stretch here. But we have bikes we're renting through Bass Dakar, and that's how we're going with the bikes. Nice. That name sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys hear me. I kind of moved to hopefully a better spot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're coming in loud and clear. Because, uh, yeah, Bass Dakar, is, those guys have been awesome. Bart's been amazing, and they've really stepped up, and we have – I think we have a few other people that you might know under that banner as well. And I, I caught wind, Kyle, that a, there's a lady in the Malimoto class that's going to be riding under the Bastet car equation as well. So it should be quite the quite the tent. Nice. That's going to be a good. De- how how many riders can Bart have on that team? Do you guys know? Okay. He tends to have ten ten ish to 12 max we're a bit unique in that he he you know supports by support administratively he supports the malimoto group of us five and then i think this year he's got another pretty stacked deck of full support folks including some you know uh one of those we will call later on Mm -hmm. um so i think this year he's got like 13 nice that's gonna be a busy busy day (laughs) He, he might as well be flying the American flag this next year for what it's worth. I'm not sure how he's going to, how the, you know, the, the, the Dutch and the Frenchmen and everybody else are going to deal with him Cause he's certainly got a lot of Americans to play with this year. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that is the, I mean, it's, it's working, right? The ultimate goal. And the thing is, is that the awareness of Dakar and what you guys have been doing to get more people into the sport, um, you know, is showing and, and the participation and more Americans going, I mean, it's, it's, it's growing. You can't deny it. No, uh, it's amazing. When you look at the, the stats, like last year alone, just last year, there were seven Americans in the race, which was the most Americans ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're coming to the table with 10 this year, already increasing that. Like, like of the 400 competitors last year alone, 170 of them were from France, That's you know? Right. Yeah. So another 60 were. Nope. 
internet break? Yeah, but I think he was he was pointing to the fact that Europeans have dominated historically in terms of attendance at the event, and it's definitely shifting to your point, Victor, to to Americans. And but when when David says ten, that is bikes only, which is far and away the most in a bike category in one year. That doesn't count the side by side or or car drivers, which I suspect will put us up to close to you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Nice. Which is good. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's what we want to see, you know, is 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 that growth. And and actually, I mean, in this uh, before we go further too, and, and we've talked a lot about it on, on the show since it happened. But that training that you guys did down in uh, down in San Quintin with Baja Rally and all that stuff was absolutely awesome. I think you guys did some good job. I, I have videos still that haven't been released of that of you guys talking with the guys and and, and gals and helping uh, helping them get into it. So I think that was really big you guys oh, appreciate it yeah appreciate it yeah we're trying to get more in the sport that's the goal and i think it's i don't think i know it's working as evidenced by today and the fact that we're going to talk to 10 10 folks on bikes in dakar yes have you if you still got me i just looked at how many people signed up for the kota rally this year and and we got a lot of new people that are coming into the sport it's really it's really exciting nice. to see nice yeah and dude i mean i've seen so Mike, uh, putting that, that event together, I mean, he's like, talk about stuff paving the way, right? You know, you've got more people getting into the rally raid sport here stateside. And then on top of that, now you have an event that's fully permitted, like was able to get everybody in the government that normally local government that shuts these events down in a heartbeat to work with him and, and get this thing going. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited you know, I, I'm seeing the, the entry list and, and the posts that he's been putting out and doing. And yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm sad that I won't be able to make it, but that's definitely on the list for next year. Let's call some boys. Let's call some people. All right, let's do that. All right, let's see if we can. Let's get our first guy on because I made contact with him. I said, I will get you in right away because I know he's... He's kind of busy. Yeah. So uh, I, I believe we said this, but we're so of the ten racers. There's, we're not sure if there are two or three factory pros, and the rest of us are on the privateer program. Mm-hmm. So and and I mean, <laughs> you have to be pro to get there. I mean, <laughs> privateer is just the title. That's like you know some of these job positions that you get into. You you have no management title, but you are absolutely a manager and. So all of you guys going in my book are all pros. It does not, you know, <laughs> you won't have the massage tent, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Victor's right. That the way that, the way that Dakar and FEM, FEM is the organization that runs all of these races, um, uh, which is a European organization. They think of it as they categorize it into rally GP now and rally two mm-hmm. to David's question. The answer is it's Skylar. And Ricky are rally GP. Everybody else is rally two, but certainly, you know, there are, uh, there are folks up there that, that should be in rally GP or, or could be in the long run. Yeah. Put it that way. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying first link has been deployed and we're waiting for him uh, to log on. Some of you guys may know him for those playing the home game. He rides a, uh, a red bike really, really fast. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's fast me more than once. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's like anything else. Anytime I talk about these guys, and you guys included, if, if we were only allowed to go to second gear, you guys would still beat me to the finish line. So, <laughs> so we're trying. Let's see if we can get them on here in just a second. But the link has gone out, and it is on its way to none other than Ricky Brabeck, uh, riding for the HRC rally team. So we're going to be talking to him here in just a moment, as long as we get him here logged in. Let's see who's in. Look at that. These links get kind of fancy. I can see the time that I sent them the link. Oh, looks like David disappeared. He must have been moving some papers or something, disconnected himself. Kyle, are you still with us? I'm still here. Sweet. Yeah, so let's see. There is. Ah, there he is. Mr. Brabeck. Hear Ricky there? Oh, I have a feeling he's some top secret location. <laughs> I see he's connected too. Yeah. Wonder, well, we'll see. We'll see if it if it clears up here. It might be just an internet thing. But yeah, we're. I mean, this is how many Americans are going now to the event and and how it's been growing and I mean and what Ricky has been able to accomplish. I mean, schooled these guys, and now with Honda's dominance on this, uh, these last two events, I think that is uh, that is absolutely huge. And I know that they're they're working. I mean, they're not going to rest on their laurels because I'm sure that KTM wants it back. Let me see here. We've got another one of our guests here sending us a message, but we'll wait here. Think- yeah, and maybe while while he's connecting, I'll chat a little bit about Ricky. So yeah, because he he won't brag about himself, but I'll brag for him. So. I'm sort of become the unofficial historian of the Dakar rally, not because I have any skill whatsoever. It's actually the opposite. I have no skill at writing. So I'm, I'm, I'm there for the historian and Ricky, Ricky will, if he finishes this next Dakar, he will be the American with the most Dakar finishes period. And that's pretty impressive, right? So currently he and Andrew short share that distinction with four finishes Mm-hmm. If he finishes a fifth time, which uh, odds are he will, obviously, then he'll hold that record. So that's really impressive. He's obviously the only one to ever win the Dakar Rally, and that was 2020, the year that uh, I raced. Just so I was lucky enough to see him win the whole thing. So pretty impressive. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and, and the thing is, like, I've learned so much over the last uh, the last years watching this. Up, oh, looks like David is back. You guys, somewhere you kicked me out. Are we, are we good? Yeah, we're good. Just uh, waiting. Ricky was on, but I think there was an internet thing because it kind of like cut out. And But he did make it on, so I mean, he might be logging in again here in just a sec. If not, I'm going to have to try and figure out how to get it going. So let's see. So Yeah, and I was, David, I was just given the history of the, the fact that Ricky will finish. The, he's already tied for finishing the most Dakar rallies with with Andrew, with the amazing Andrew short. And if he finishes again, he'll be the, the you know, record holder of most finishes for an American at Dakar. And, and that's currently held by Andrew. It's tie, It's a tie between Andrew and Ricky. And the funny thing about those guys is they didn't even know that. I, I, I told them, I said, you realize that you two hold the distinction of finishing the most Dakars prior to that, there were multiple that had finished three, but uh, those two, now have finished four times. So Ricky would be the first to finish five times. That, I mean, that, wow. <laughs> that's not an easy feat at all. It's, it's not. 
No, and you, I mean, you think about 45 years of history of the Dakar as well, you know, and it, it just adds to that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and then not only that, I mean, now now talking in, in this case right now, moving from South America, going over to Saudi Arabia. Um, but I think they're going to be in Saudi Arabia now for what, 10 years. I think was the, did I hear that right? Right. I, I haven't heard that. I, I hadn't heard that either. I know that starting in 2020, they purchased the rights for five years. So tw- that would imply that you know they have 2020, 21, 22, 23, 24. So they have this next year and the one following, and that's it. Uh, they paid a lot of money for that, um, but I hadn't heard that it's ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. So no. Then it was. Then it was the five. I knew it was somewhere in there, some multiple of, of five or 10, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, the, the amount of money in that they've had to put out for the event to get the event there. Uh, I, I don't know if that was the same plan that they had in South America. Um, obviously the terrain's a little bit different. I don't know if they would have preferred South America over the, uh, over the sands. Oh, looks like we got him back. Ricky, you back? Yes, sir. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Loud and clear. Hey, Ricky. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on, guys? Now that we're talking Dakar. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> right? So, I mean, this is this huge news, right? You got uh, all the acceptance letter. Everything went out, and you're you're getting ready? Yeah, you know, uh, currently right now we're uh, doing some durability with uh, HRC. Um, and then after this, we're going to start doing some road books and getting ready for Morocco and Andalusia. Nice. I know, right? They just moved that. Uh, not to, actually, that was bad. How how did that go for you? You guys were already there, no? Yeah, we were there doing you know like a week of of road books on that style terrain. And dude, right when I landed, they kind of said it might be canceled. And then we went one day riding, and then the next morning we got word that it canceled. And yeah, it was kind of uh, you know at the beginning it was like, oh man, what a waste of a trip. But you know, we did, we did five days of road books. So it was actually good training in the end. Nice. There you guys. So, so I've, you know, I was thinking the whole day, I'm all like, dude, I might get a chance to talk to Ricky Brabeck today. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what questions did I ask him? And I, one of the biggest things that I was thinking is like for you and the training and, and going back to Dakar, um, what's your, like, what's your training? Like, obviously you've, you've taken that top step. You know, and, and, and the number two, you're no stranger to the podium now. So what is your kind of training, like roadbook practice and that kind of stuff? Yeah. With the, with the training, you know, you could do, you could do a bunch of, um, you could do a bunch of training, but you know, in the end, if it's not quality and, uh, and it's not, you know, Dakar spec, then I, I would say you're kind of wasting your time because, you know, nowadays the road books are so tricky with all these notes and triple notes. And, uh, you know, you, you have to do, you know, quality over quantity. And, you know, before I was doing, you know, quantity with a little bit of quality. And then, you know, I started to clean it up and do quality over quantity. And now, you know, our program is, it, it's pretty much, you know, there, but, um, you know, there's still a little bit of tweaking we have to do and, you know, the rules are always changing. So, yeah. With with that being said, you know, we got to just figure out different ways to train. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is uh, finding new areas to train. You know, I've ridden every single trail, you know, multiple times out here. So it's like if I get a new road book, it's, uh, 
you know, it's, it's new to me, but I know the area so well that it's not much help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're going, okay. We're going down this road now. (laughs) (laughs) So, and so, I mean, with, you know, on that is what, with getting into it, practicing and, and, and doing this stuff. My other question that I had for you was the new guys, right? Obviously there, there's more Americans headed to, to Dakar. The, the sport of rally is growing here, uh, stateside. Um, are, are there any things like, uh, a bit of knowledge, like this is how you get into it or how you got into it? Like any kind of tips that you would give to somebody? I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. Skyler, I guess would be the one to ask this question just because, uh, I, I got into it, you know, while I was injured, you know, I was, I was laid up on the couch with a broken neck and, and then that's when I got the call asking, you know, if I still wanted to ride dirt bikes and race dirt bikes and what I thought about rally. So that's how I got into it. Yeah. Uh, Skyler, you know, went a different route and, you know, paid his way, uh, into it for a few years. Um, I'm not sure how we, how he was able to do that. You know, it's, it's not cheap to go there. So yeah. Skyler has a better understanding than I do with that. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick his brain about that one. The, um, so now that, uh, now that at least the first hurdle is done, are there any things like in between now and, uh, and the start of the race, that's the next hurdle or, or are you guys stepping up the program, like more training, training intervals going up? What's, what's that look like uh, the next few months? Yeah. You know, like, like I said, it's, it's quality over quantity. Um, so we're, we're definitely stepping up training. Uh, as I said, you know, the rules are always changing. So now we're just, uh, trying to figure those rules out and, you know, with, with the time you're given back for opening or, you know, being in the group, it's kind of difficult. Um, I think the Dakar is going to be a, a, a wild show this year with all that. Um, but as far as I know, um, I, I don't, I don't know much, honestly, I have to wait to, uh, go train with the team and, you know, we sit down and discuss a few things, discuss, you know, a few options of how, what, when, and where, you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's tough, you know, it's not loading your dirt bike up and just riding trails or going to the motocross track. That's for sure. Yeah. You gotta, it, it's gotta be a very strategic, well, I mean, in any road book is, is, is complicated. It's just, they're, they only get tougher. They're not going to make it easier on you guys. Exactly. And so, and, and actually speaking about rules, right? So now they're, they're kind of changing some stuff on you guys. First, I'm happy to see you guys aren't racing 250 CC dirt bikes out there. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yet. <laughs> Maybe 2024. I know. Right. Yeah. And, and by that time they'll be able to do like 180 mile an hour. So no, yeah, they'll and slow- float. Yeah, they'll no. They're gonna they're gonna make them California green sticker compliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or one of those versions of it. But so so with the rule chance, like you mentioned, one like you know getting time back, and and I think that they're trying to avoid that swing set that's been going on, that Dakar swing, um, that, and then alternate routes. You know, alternating routes between riders, randomly assigning them, and that kind of stuff. You know, are there any rules for you that they're like, okay, this is the most significant change. I mean the the divided road book or whatever the different route road book and like the HP areas is kind of I don't think it's very smart because how can they tell if you know line A is faster or slower than line B you know what if line A has a bigger dunes or more holes than line B and you know there's 
there's a big difference in the sand dunes if you have big dunes or uh, small dunettes, you know, because in the dunettes, you're going to lose a lot of time. And in the big dunes, you're going to gas it, jump the dunes and, you know, just go fast. Mm-hmm. And then That's with right. the speed, um, the speed given back, I don't know, man, that's, it, it's going to be wild. You know, they, they restricted our speed limiter to 160 km H and then, uh, now you get time back for opening. So now it's basically going to be a fight of who can get uh top five. Yeah. Man. Just to make sure oh. that. And yeah, depending on the amount of time that they assign you, right? I mean, they haven't really established what the time is that they're going to give you. Uh, I, I haven't heard that of you. Uh, I, I, we have like a rough draft of it, but I, I mean, it's really hard to, to understand it because it's not like, you know, it's not like one second or five seconds or a minute or three minutes. It's like, it depends on how much you're actually opening into each of these hidden waypoints from what I understand. Uh, it's kind of strange, honestly. I it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it sounds complicated. I, yeah, I understand. Like they're trying to stop that, you know, the rubber band effect. But then again, it's like if you make a a road book that's not, you know, super confusing, then this would also help. I mean, mm-hmm. if they made well, it make more sense, you know, for dirt bike riders, then I guess it would be okay without the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that one's going to be like. I mean, I understand like the the strategy of it and and that 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 rubber band effect, as you call it, and it it works. It plays into it. It's part of rate, being smart at rally. But yeah, what they're proposing sounds more overly complicated. And I mean, I, I think they could almost pause that rule and just stick with the like AB route or something along those lines. But you do bring up a good point about the AB route, like. If I take the A line and or you're on the A line, I'm on the B line or somebody's on the B line, this section may be faster for you. But then how do they know, like, did they make another section purposely faster for them? So then your time is actually comparable or, you know, I, I'd be really curious to see how they're going to average that out. Because I, I, I remember getting at one event in the hot water because the overall was decided, but certain certain classes, the UTVs namely had a workaround for one of the narrow canyons. And so it was like, well, no, they technically did not compete on the same course. And I mean, it was like a hundred meters difference, not even a hundred meters, like 10 meters difference. You could see one another. One was on the top, one was on the bottom. But there was a very valid point. It's like, no, that's technically it is not the same course. Yeah. This is what I don't understand is because like I said, what if you have one course, hundred meters difference, you know, apart. And what if you're going through the big dunes and, you know, the other route is going through the small dunes. That's a lot more physical. And then all of a sudden, like if you're in the physical dunes and then you catch, you know, the main line again, and then now you're behind one or two guys and then you go to a fast piece that's dusty. So then now you kind of get screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you end up in the dust where you would have been maybe even leading or you would have had other opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. And for those playing the home game, 160 kilometers an hour is only 100. I mean, I say only, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's still fast. But I mean, uh, I you know, for the, the, the rally bike dorks, what uh, if you can disclose a range 
of about how fast one of these bikes would go on a dry lake bed? Uh, I mean, depends empty or full. I would, I would guess around 115, 118. And how would you compare that to a bike for Baja? All the, I don't know. Um, oh, okay. The Baja bikes are a lot quicker, you know, out of the hole. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a lot lighter, a lot more, uh, you know, power quickly. Mm-hmm. Or the rally bike, you know, obviously it's made for, uh, you know, endurance and, and multiple days at a time. So there's a little bit of difference. Uh, the Baja bikes, you know, I'm hearing they're doing like 105, 104. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, dude, you're, I don't, I don't care how fast your bike is, dude, you're not ever going that fast for very long so it doesn't it doesn't matter if your bike does 115 or 100 you know mm-hmm. it you're you're never going to be doing 115 for miles on end yeah so it's just more the the way the bike works for you and handles and does that yeah and so i mean my I, you know I, I know you get stuff going on but my my last question to you is is uh maybe a quick comparison you know uh, uh the crf 450 that you would use in baja or high desert versus the rally bike uh what's the biggest difference for you i mean the weight. Uh, i mean yeah the weight. uh when i ride my small bike like my enduro bike is like you know it's like riding a e-bike and then if you ride a a motocross bike it's like riding a freaking mountain bike so huh. you know the the rally bike's a big tank you know it, it plows through all the bumps and you know it stays straight then you get on a smaller bike that thing's all over the place jumping around it's it's quite a handful riding the small bikes. Yeah. So, so if you have both of them in the garage ready to go, which one do you throw a leg over first? Depends on what I'm doing, but, okay. uh, mostly, you know, if it's from my house, I'm going to ride my 450X, you know, so I can go ride enduro. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm going to go, you know, explore and waste a couple hours of my, my day on the dirt bike, I'll take the rally bike cause I can hold, you know, a bunch of fuel and not worry about stopping. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, um, and then are they regulating? Yeah, they have a, a capacity limitation, right? Or minimum? Yeah, they have a, yeah, they have a capacity limit. Yeah. Nice. Well, hopefully, uh, like I say, I mean, hopefully they don't, they don't knock you guys down to two strokes and, and start doing even more funny stuff. I'm glad they did away with the tire thing. I think that to a certain well, extent. Well, I mean, the tire thing was, it was pretty wild, you know, because we were only able to have like, uh, you know, one tire for two days, basically. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it, it. I don't know if it slowed people down, but it just de- it definitely made people more aware of like what their equipment could handle and what the equipment could do. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, a bald tire is not going to stop as good as a a tire with grip. Yeah. But also, if you hit a rock hard enough, you know, and you slice your tire, then you know, say you slice a tire on day one, now you're down to just uh, five tires for the rest of the rally, and you know, you have to be smart. You had to be smarter to ride, you know, like this. But I mean, also one set of tires a day is pretty tough because if you blow out a wheel or blow out a moose, you can't change it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then you're, then you're stuck doing some, I mean, then basically it turned every, it turned every stage into the, um, oh man, I can't marathon. the marathon stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's literally it, I, mean I, I, I was okay with it. Cause I don't, you know, the way I ride, I don't spin the tires, so I don't really smoke off the, the knobs, you know, and I, I was able to go comfortably two days with one tire. Nice. And that, I mean... It, hey, Ricky. What's going on? Sorry. Ricky, it's McCoy. It's Kyle McCoy. One last question for you here, and we'll let you go, which is, um, 
Uh, and first of all, by the way, I was informing the audience before you dialed in that I think you're aware of this, but maybe not. Ricky and Andrew are the they Andrew Short. That is, they are the they have the most finishes for any American at Dakar. If Ricky finishes next year, he will then hold that distinction, which is super impressive. Also, the only one ever win. But my question is, do you know how many bikes will be in Dakar 2023 yet? Have you gotten any? any indication of that um yeah that's super cool like me and andrew are tied for for finishes um hopefully i can keep keep the streak of finishing going uh just to be you know the the most finishing american but uh as far as you know the entry of bikes dude i'm not i'm not sure i I would say minimum 150 See, this is this is what we're asking. We're asking around this, Ricky, because our understanding is they reduced it a lot. And as you and I know, in 2020, when you won, it was 150. Um, I think, and I'm hearing, it's closer to 100 now. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's what Bart at Bass Dakar told us. And so, think about that for a second. You've got 100 bikes instead of 150, and you've got two different routes. All of a sudden, <laughs> you've got 50 as opposed on your route, as opposed to 150 on the route you did first stage 2020 when you won, that's a huge difference in a race, right? So you've got way less dust. And I think it's going to be interesting to see my most important question remaining is how many bikes are entered in 2023 Dakar. So if you hear, <laughs> let, let us know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that they were trying to re- like limit the bikes. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, I'm definitely curious of that because that's, that's strange. You know, like the bike is the, is the category to watch. Yeah, exactly. They, they, I heard they cut down to 120 and they cut the, they cut the uh, applicant registration date off quickly. And then they kept us all in suspense till Friday. So it's it, rumor as it's less. I'm not sure we just know the number, you know? Yeah, that's, that's wild. I mean, it, I'm, I'm curious as well. I mean, wonder why they did that. Don't yeah, don't know. All right. Here, here comes the scavenger hunt. Let's figure out how many bikes actually got into Dakar for 23. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, I mean, it could be a game changer. Less tracks, less less beating up the course. I mean, obviously, you know, resources and stuff like that are, are you know, more plentiful. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Ricky, David here. I I, uh, I look forward to seeing you out there for sure. So we're all excited. This will be a first time for me. So I'm I'm just banging off the anxiety rev limiter right now. <laughs> I think he. Uh, we had an internet break for for Ricky. He jumped. Uh, it, it disconnected on him. Cool. So, let's but, keep rolling, or we're going to be here all night. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, watch. He'll he'll jump back in, and then he'll be uh, he'll be listening. Or he'll be with us uh, with the next guy. I think we could we can take up to five people on here. So we're at three, so we could do this. All right, let's send that one over to the next guy. Next guy, no stranger to Dakar. He's uh, back at it again. Originally was out there with uh, Skyler House, or excuse me, with uh, Garrett Boucher. Ricky, you there? Right, Ricky, jump back on. Yeah, dude, I yeah. don't know what happened. Nah, no worries. Internet, <laughs> internet break. Yeah. Nice. Well, dude, I appreciate the the time, and that's uh, David was saying the same thing. We're, you know, appreciating you taking the time out of your busy schedule to to jump in with us. 
Yeah, no problem. I appreciate the, you know, the phone call and, and the questions. I'm looking forward to hearing what the others have to say. And um, hopefully we can all stay in touch and get some riding in, guys. That would be look nice. forward to it. Any, uh, any smack talk? Any any smack talk for Skyler before you go? <laughs> uh, easy, guys. Easy. He's on the line, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he, there. He's a Husky KTM gas gas uh, guy. I don't I don't really know what's going on over there other than, than them trying to cop our spots out here in, in the Mojave Desert. <laughs> Bro, you don't own the desert. <laughs> you, you guys can have Barstow. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Barstow either. But <laughs> oh, dude, it's unbelievable right now with the rainstorms I just went through. Holy shit. <laughs> It's hero dirt, but now it's washed. Hero dirt, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's full of rocks, dude. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, not good. I I don't know how a rally bike would fare on that. Well, I guess it would do all right, right? No, they're great till you hit the wrong one. Our bike does great. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Uh, Now, 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 now. (laughs) No comment. Yeah. Wow. Oh, How you awesome. doing, Skyler? <laughs> yeah, doing right. Skyler, welcome. Thanks. Nice. Hey, who else? Who you got? Uh, David, oh, did Kyle jump off? Or is he still on it? Kyle, are you still here? No, I'm here. I think we should let Ricky go, though. We've taken a lot of his time. We appreciate your time, Ricky, so you can drop whenever you want. And we look forward to riding with you and Skyler at some point. And definitely, obviously, in Saudi in January. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll see you all soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ricky. Later, Thank Ricky. you. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Later, bud. All right. Skyler, how's it going, man? Yo, what's up? <laughs> I was like, I was just saying, I'm like, watch. Ricky's going to jump right on as soon as Skyler gets on. <laughs> but and I was saying, so, uh, I mean, we, we talked dozens of episodes ago, um, and I was kind of leading up to it that, yeah, originally you were out there with, uh, with Garrett, uh, but there's been some changes since then. Yeah, a lot of changes since then. Yeah, the uh, the the factory ride, which uh, looks. I'm you know I I like Honda. I mean, Ricky's off now, but I like Honda. But you know I'm there's a KTM and a Husky in the garage. You know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? So you got the letter. You're ready. I mean, it's uh, is go time. Are you are you stepping up the training? What's going on? Uh, well, I mean, training for Dakar starts long ago. So I've been working with a new personal trainer, which has actually been super nice. So before up until now, like, uh, it's actually one of my biggest things is trying to switch the brain from, you know, kind of on a budget to taking more care of my body and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the training is always kind of taking a backseat just because I had to work and, make it to the race in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's been the biggest change for me is trying to change the brain to not focus on like, you know, cleaning the house, cleaning the garage, doing all that kind of stuff, making sure everything's like prepped and ready and, uh, you know, focus more on the gym and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, I've been working with this, uh, personal trainer. His name's Nick chase. He's like one of the best, uh, triathletes in the nation. And he lives here locally in St. George. So I've been working with him quite a lot and stepping up the training a bit. And it's made me, yeah, enjoy a lot more of the stuff 
too, because before it was like a bit stressful leading into the race, knowing that I probably could have done better. And I mean, that's, I, that's always my mentality is that's another one of those things that I'm trying to work on is understanding that I'm doing enough, (laughs) like constantly like, Oh, I'm not, you know, working hard enough. And I learned that lesson like a couple of days ago, I spent too much time in the sauna, you know, like wipe me out. So, but I've been doing like, uh, yeah, the training has been pretty intense. So I've been doing a lot of riding, uh, less road books, but more just high intensity riding, lots of cycling and gym work and stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty intense. Yeah. What is, and, and you know, that's an interesting, uh, side. I haven't, usually it's, it's, you know, the training revolves around the road books and reading road books, road book, road book, road book. But with the physical aspect and what you're talking about, are there certain things that like you guys are focusing on? Is it, is it like long-term endurance? Is it short burst efforts? Is it, or it, it's all of it? Yeah, kind of all of it. Um, my biggest thing is I've always done long distance desert racing. So where I need to improve and where most of the other guys besides Ricky comes from is motocross background. So a lot of those guys have like this insane sprint pace in, you know, certain areas like the dunes and things like that. And that's essentially like I could hold my one pace all day, but to be able to wick it up and just put a hundred percent everything you got for 30 minutes into a, you know, into a dune section or whatever else, that's kind of where my weakest point was in the last couple of years. So that's where I put a ton of more. My focus is doing like interval training on the cycle and, um, do like more motocross stuff. So yeah, I guess it, it all just depends on the person. Like for me, long days on the bike is where I enjoy most of my time but it's those short, like super, super gnarly, powerful sprints that you got to just put in, in the middle of the day, um, that I've tried to improve on. So we're making, making good improvement and I'm enjoying a lot more of my time. Like this last Dakar, uh, was a huge improvement just for the fact of like being more physically prepared rather than, you know, the other stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been a big jump being able to focus on it. And, and I mean, and if you guys, or if you can talk a little bit about it, um, the bike, you know, it was a big change for this last Dakar going, going with the bike. I know you guys had a one rally prior for testing and that stuff. Uh, the bike development over sent from last Dakar to this Dakar, you guys, a lot of big changes. I mean, is it pretty much the same what you can disclose? (laughs) Yeah. Well, of course it's like, it's kind of been one of the coolest, uh, things about, uh, move into a factory team is seeing behind the scenes, like what actually goes into making a bike, what it is. And when I first joined the team, we were still on, you know, the, the older model and essentially was like at the end of its run. So it was kind of figured out. And then to go straight into a bike that really, you know, uh, is brand new essentially and to make it work in the desert and what everything you know goes into it just uh, stuff that i had no idea like when you think about oh triple clamps and oh you know foot pegs or handlebars or just any of that kind of stuff you always think of something that might just i don't know is kind of like a bolt-on thing or you know you talk about oh this triple clamp makes a difference but 
I didn't really know if I would be a good test rider. And so when they put something on that's like, oh, yeah, this might flex differently and you have to tell us whether it's better or worse. I'm like, oh, I was pretty nervous, actually, because I didn't know if I would be good at being able to tell the difference because mm-hmm. I never have before. Before, I just get on the bike and ride whatever I got. Mm-hmm. So it's been a super, super cool experience to be a part of that and to go through every – I mean, it's it's a pretty – painstaking process like it, it's a lot to go through and the the i don't know it's it it's not a disheartening thing but i mean being a factory racer definitely isn't all sunshine and rainbows like there's a lot of work that goes into it i'm i definitely traded like one hard work for the next like you know i don't have to go clock in at a day job now but when it's time to test and time to train like it's it's all out and there's so much it's so I don't know, sensitive and there's so much that goes into it. That's just mind blowing to me that I never really thought. I thought the bike just was there and it worked. Mm -hmm. I I didn't realize like how much actually goes into doing it. So yeah, we had Morocco beforehand and we had done a handful, you know, a bit of testing. And I mean, a a bit, a lot of testing (laughs) going into Morocco and we thought we had like a pretty good understanding. And when we raced Morocco and got, kind of in that different i don't know scenario out there we realized you know where we were at and we needed to make some more changes and that was the other super cool part of being a part of you know the company <coughs> being a part of Husqvarna is seeing how dedicated everyone is to make those changes and i went straight back from there straight to austria and had some meetings and put in my suggestions of what I thought would be best. And they made those changes and suggestions and I got to go out and test and we came straight back to here to America and put it to work. And essentially that's what we raced on it at Dakar and the bike won. you know, Sam won on that bike and yeah. Matthias third. So unreal. Like it was super, super cool to see that even though that we were, a bit off that they're willing to put in that work. And it's not like a day job that these guys just clock into. Like it's literally, you know, this needs to be handled. However much time it takes at the company or out in the desert to accomplish that is what they're willing to do. It's super cool. Gotcha. I mean that, and I mean, and that's what it takes, takes to win. I mean, it's, it, you got to out dedicate the other guy and then yeah. they're going to do it the next time around, you know, they're working harder. So I, I got two really quick ones for you. One, um, of the testing and the stuff that you guys have done and changes and all that, what, what became your, like, did you develop a niche? Like you love suspension testing or was it ergonomics? Was it braking? Was it engine? Was there something in particular like, this is my jam? Uh, well, I mean, it all kind of goes hand in hand. Like it's pretty crazy to, to think about flexing and just the whole ergonomics of the bike and what changes. Uh, but it, what, I enjoy a lot is being able to relay that information. So with suspension specifically, like going out and realizing like, Oh, this change needs to happen. This change needs to happen and come back and be able to relay that. They make the change go back out and you're like, yeah, okay, now this is working. Like this is sick. So I have enjoyed suspension testing specifically because it's the easiest for me to, uh, formulate a suggestion in my brain. Like a lot of the other stuff, you know, I don't really know which direction to go. We just have to try the stuff that we have available Mm -hmm. and I can 
I can tell if it's better or worse, but with suspension, I know if it's doing this, I can tell them to change this and it's going to make this, you know, reaction. And it's been super cool to kind of develop my, uh, knowledge, I guess, to make those adjustments. And it's made me help out. Like I've been trying to help out a handful of kids, like local kids and stuff racing the national hair and hounds and whatnot. And so to be able to go out with them and help them better develop their bikes and all that, it's been actually a super cool process. Nice. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a suspension nerd, even though I don't know about motorcycle suspension as much as I do cars, but I'm with you on that one. I think, I mean, that's, you guys got to ride these bikes really, really, really fast for really, really long distances. So that's the first thing that's going to make it comfortable. I'm sure. Yeah. So my final question, I'll turn over to the guys, see if they got any, but, um, new, new people coming into the sport. Uh, we've got 10 Americans headed to Dakar and the, I mean, just watching the listenership and, and the questions coming in, there's a ton of people that want to get into this. What's your suggestion for, for new people getting into the rally raid side of things? Well, I mean, stepping on other people's toes and it's like, uh, kind of the people that have always been in the sport of rally, like I'm not going to name names, but these guys, like a handful of these people have a really tight grip on road books and kind of hold a monopoly over it. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've been trying to change with that is, yeah, road books take a lot. They take a lot to to make and there's so much time to make a good road book and see that's the difference too is like yeah okay i could have a road book but it could suck Mm -hmm. you could spend more time out there doing circles than actually navigating so that's the difference too but to if people are interested and want to get out there it's to not you know force them into some type of whatever it is and pay make them pay a bunch of money because it's already super expensive as it is you know you have to pay a bunch of money for the nav equipment and then to actually do a rally or anything like that is a ton of money. It takes a lot of time and stuff. So I think now that so many more people are getting interested and in wanting to do it, especially with like the, I'm actually pretty stoked about the, uh, the electronic note roadbook stuff, because I think that's going to make everyone's life a lot easier. They don't have to get like nine different things to bolt on their handlebars. They can just put a switch and a tablet. So I think that'll be cool. People can invest in that setup. And then if people have roadbooks to do, you know, Scotty Bright's been doing a, an awesome job at, at making some stuff available. And myself and Mason, we've been doing our best on top of what we're already trying to do and everything to, to make just roadbooks that are available. And I think that's the difference is, is if someone's interested in doing it, it kind of look out broader in the sport and there's a lot of people that be really stoked to help everyone out depending on time Mm -hmm. but um yeah i think i think that's what's going to grow the sport the most around here is uh i think just people wanting to help other one everyone else just for the fact of growing the sport and being you know solid people rather than trying to make a profit or get something else out of it i mean uh this is a super small sport, even though it's the biggest event in the world. Uh, you know, if you look at the Netherlands or France or any other country, there's hundreds of people from that, those specific countries that are racing in this race. And we got 10 Americans, which is the most ever. And the thing is, like I've said this before is I believe that there's some really talented 
people that live here, they could go there and just, you know, do really, really well. So the other thing with Dakar is, you know, people think they're just going to show up and do well without <laughs> training for it or having any experience, mm-hmm. which always, you know, is a, a rude wake up call. But I mean, the more training and the more stuff that's available in USA and the more people that are apt to like share their knowledge and not be, I don't know. I don't know what the issue is, but I know I want to be great. I want to win. And yes, I want to be a champion, but I know I'm not going to be the last one. And I had to learn the hard way essentially. And if I can make it possible for other people to not have to learn the same way I did and make a ton of mistakes and bad calls and stuff, and just learn from my lessons and do things right the first way, like that's essentially what I think is all about. If we have more people and new people coming into the sport, that can do well, or just, you know, finish the race and uh, check something off the bucket list. I think that's what it's all about. Really. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I, I can speak to that just as David here, as I keep getting cut in and out, but you know, I spent some time with Skylar and Mason in Utah doing some road books with you guys. And it was, it was very helpful for me just educationally to understand some of the concepts coming out of the Dakar and, some of that training. So appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you taking the call. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Skeller, this is Kyle and that, you know, I'm just going to brag on Skeller for a minute because he is a humble guy and I've had the, the opportunity to ride with him now in two different places in Mexico and Saudi Arabia and, and um, now also Abu Dhabi. And the reality is Skeller is the, he's helping the sport. I think he spends more time with young people than anybody and hands down and he's just a solid solid person and so i really appreciate that scattering your mentorship to to people um and i have no no doubt you're you'll continue to be successful my one question for you and this is what we're really wondering about scattering you know and i know this will be the last question is how many riders how many bikes do you think they they entered this year in dakar any idea oh dang well all I know is a hundred got accepted and I saw a lot of rejection, uh, uh, letters and it's like, it's, (laughs) I bet you there was a ton. I bet you there was probably 200 people that signed up and normally they choose like what 150. So they had to have turned away. Like I'm, they had to turn away at least a hundred people. I'm guessing. Yeah, this is what we're trying to get to the bottom of. Um, Ricky was uncertain. And by the way, we're front-loading this with the two factory, you know, Ricky and Skyler, um, to get any insight you guys have. But with, there's a lot of uncertainty around this right now. My understanding is it's about 100, like what you're saying, but nobody knows with certainty. I, I asked Bart, you know, at Bass that car, he's uncertain still. But it's it's fair to say that bike's numbers has been reduced significantly. And so that's going to make it, in really interesting this year going forward yeah so i hear the reason why that's happening is there's a handful of like complaints that bikes are getting caught uh too quickly and so what's happening is i think they're trying to slim it down and keep the list of riders that are in the race like more experience and so that way there's less incidents with cars and there's less likeliness of people getting stuck out there in the dark so that's i think the reason that i heard that they're they're limiting the numbers and uh um 
Yeah, dude, I don't know. Like, I think it's crazy because they always fill up like 150 riders anyways. So the fact that they chopped it by 50 riders, and this is like one of the most like stacked years that I can remember. Like, there's a ton of people and a ton of really good people that are wanting to sign up. I think it's going to be super fun because, you know, we're getting longer days, more days, and I think it's going to be more a more difficult year. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens throughout this. But uh, I'm really stoked that, you know, everyone that here on this side that got entered got accepted because to have this many Americans. And the thing is, too, I got to call you guys out. Even though he's Czech-born, Angelo Volchek is an American citizen and he's racing Molly Moto. So he needs to be included on this list. <laughs> it's a, we're it's we're a, officially it's up a, to 11. Wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. I need to correct that because I am the historian and I fully agree with you. I fully, I'm the historian because I'm a terrible writer, by the way. I fully agree with you, <laughs> Skyler. But the rule is if you're going and there's two, he's not the only one. There are actually two dual citizens. But if you're going to say you finished as an American, you need to ride under the American flag. Yeah, and he is this year. This year he's riding as an American. Oh, this year. Oh, yeah, uh, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Very good point. So there's actually 11. If he's riding, I thought you meant in the past because in the past he didn't ride under the American flag. Yeah, so, correct. No, yeah. but this year, this year he's he's uh, he's going to be on the American flag this year. Nice. Interesting. So there's actually 11. That's good to know. Thanks for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we need a, like an Ocean's 12. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, we need to get somebody in there quick. <laughs> we need one more. We need to find that other guy. Yeah. Hey, speaking speaking of other Americans going, uh, you guys, I know Skylar knows this kid for sure. Is Mason? Mason, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Nice. Welcome aboard. Hello. Yes. Can you hear us? Yeah. Hi, right. team. <laughs> What's going? Hey, Mason. All right. Everybody so you- good. We getting ready to race. Uh, it sounds like it. <laughs> We excited? Yeah. I don't know. Skylar, you are you ready? I, I'm I'm ready. I don't know. Mason's been like fishing and doing other stuff. I don't know if he's <laughs> Hey. I have a I have a secret weapon over here right now, all right? So Yeah, Ooh. foreigners don't count, dude. Ooh. <laughs> this is the American phone call. Yo. <laughs> wow. Wait, did we just lose one? Did we lose one? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's no. training with, uh, how do you say his name, Mason? Harth Noah is his first name. Harth, yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. We've been yeah. calling him Noah. How does he like our terrain? Uh, he, I think he's having a lot of fun. He's actually riding with um, Carter Klein and Jake Alvarez, his brother, with Dalton Shirey, doing some good training. Uh, I'm not riding right now because... I plan to get a lot of work done, meaning we're going to this uh, Arizona ride this weekend, and I'm making sure everything's ready to roll. Nice. You going to Flagstaff? Yeah. I will see you there, Mason. I'm excited. I feel like I'm last to the party. Should I know about Flagstaff or not know about Flagstaff? Uh, It's like Bike Club. Okay, got it. (laughs) (laughs) I was invited. I will promise to put my... I was before I was invited by anyone else, you know, and then it's like an official AMA thing. So it's kind of crazy that yeah. not everybody knows about it. Yeah. Uh, to, yeah. To your point about rally getting more popular, this is an AMA sanctioned dual sport event where they've put together a couple of road books for us. So they're 
are starting to recognize the general populace wants to see some of these things. So it's really cool to do. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Cool. All right. Uh, before we let me, any more, any questions for Skylar, any more questions? Maybe I'll just say one last point, which is again, Skylar won't brag. I will for him. So Skylar, the data point people need to know about him is he finished the best finish for a non-factory rider in the history of Dakar rally, certainly as an American. I don't know if that's the case for other countries, but in 2021, as a non-factory rider, he finished fifth place. So that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And with the number nine. So the number nine is an American number because Chris Blaze raced with number nine and got a podium. I raced with number nine and got fifth. And now Mason is racing with number nine this year. So we got high hopes. You want to know a and secret that, about that, Skylar? What? Awesome. People are telling me I might not get number nine. No, what's happening? Well, apparently, if you if you go first and you get to pick your number, someone can pick it, right? So I don't know anyone that would take number nine if they didn't get number nine. But like, it I'm could afraid, happen. I'm afraid to say I'm number nine because it's possible that someone else takes it. Oh well, it's kind of scary. If you don't get it, it's not the end of the world. But you know. Yeah. We're going to start a hash, hashtag Klein is nine or something like that. You know, we'll, 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 figure, we'll figure it out. That's a good one. It's going to happen. Well, I don't know. I'm 20. I'll be 21. Then Klein is 21 would make more sense. Uh, <laughs> it does, that doesn't rhyme. It does, yeah. It doesn't rhyme. Yeah. All right, I'll change my age for the, for the hashtag. All right, boys. All right. All right, Skyler. Enjoy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. See you later. All right. See you. All right, Mason. What up? Sorry. Ready? Yep. Here's my first big questions, David, just in in case I get cut off as usual. How do you feel for the second round of the Dakar? Third. I'm feeling better than ever. Because I don't know if I knew I was going to the race at this point of the year last year. Nice. I've had like way more time to prepare. My first car, I was like, I'm going, but I didn't actually know. Kind of like everyone else in the American Rally Originals, I think is how you say it. Yeah. I'm like, anyways, yeah, it's nice having a whole year to prepare than to have half a year or less. Yeah, I can so, imagine a little bit of a crunch. Yeah. So you knew you knew coming out of last year that you were going to be in this year? That was already a given for you? Well, of course, it's not a given for anyone, right? You like, yeah, everybody gets the acceptance letter. But, you know, when you got Bard on your team, it makes you pretty confident. He's a pretty good man. Yes. And, uh, he obviously knows everyone you need to know. And... Yeah, I'm. I was confident going into this year for sure. Yeah, and for the for the audience, um, we keep referring to Bart uh, as Mason just did, and I did earlier. This is Bart Vandebelden, who is Bass Dakar B A S. It's a truck. It's a, it's a European truck company, and Bart. It's sort of the satellite factory team for KTM and Mason. Um, it's a good segue to Mason, which is which is Mason. For those that don't know is the youngest rider in American history to finish as what well, maybe even finish at all, uh, but finish certainly as well as he did, which in 2022 was ninth place as um, Mason at the time you were 19. Is that accurate? 
No, I was 20. 20. Okay. Well, either way, he was yeah. young. Yeah, definitely. Super, super impressive. Um, and I, you know, Scott, again, back to Skyler. Skyler really helped out. I think, I think Mason would say that that's the case. Skyler helped out a lot. And those two ride together and train together a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Skyler is super big part of the whole program without him. I don't think I would have been lining up last year or this year, I guess. Nice. So speaking of lining up this year, so last year, obviously you did really well. I mean, and, and a lot of us knew you going in, I mean, you, you were out practicing. I mean, you speak roadbook. I mean, that's, that, that's not even a thing. And so are there what you learned last year and how well you did are there some stuff that like you're that you've improved upon or like, okay, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to do this and this better for this year. Like any big changes based on your experience from last year? Yeah, for sure. Um, after last year going through the whole race, you really figure out what part of your body needs improvement. Mm -hmm. So like I've been focusing a lot on my body and getting into way better shape because you spend a lot of hours sitting and a lot of hours standing. The liaisons really mess up your wrists. There's like so many different crazy things that you got to be ready for. But um, I think the most important thing is like during the race, I wouldn't call it strategy, but it's just like knowing like, going through the race once. Um, I think I learned for sure that the trick is to take it easy mm -hmm. because so many different things can happen. And I don't think the racing will get any easier. I think it'll be just as hard. I don't think racing will ever get easy, right? But, uh, yeah, I think where it'll make it hard on myself is if I decide to go fast or be crazy because I think stage 11 or 10 or something, I had a crash because I was trying to go fast. So I got that out of the way. Like, I, I learned but the trick is slow and steady wins the race for sure. Like if you don't finish, no good. Yeah. So, yeah. So really, really going to focus on that is just a pace and, and, and navigating. And obviously, I mean, you proved last year to, to a lot of people that didn't know that, that you are an excellent navigator. Yeah. So that's good. Oh, this is and for context, Mason is, um, again, probably being overly humble. Um, he, when he says slow and steady wins the race, I think that's kind of insanity. For those that know the speed at which they're traveling at the front of the pack in the top 10. But I do think he's right um, in that it probably takes some guidance from guys like Skyler and Andrew Short in particular, who I think do a really good job, and, and Ricky too, at reducing risk. And going just fast enough, which is again insanely fast up at the front of the pack, but but managing that really well, really well over time. And by the way, the last point I'd make on Mason is that he is the 34th American to finish Dakar Rally. That's the history of, of the Dakar Rally. That's crazy. Nice. Yeah. That, so that means next year we'll have like a third more entries finish the Dakar next year. That's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Telling you, it's growing. That's like the whole history of racing in one year, this year, and next year. <laughs> it is. And Mason, we, we're, the question we've been asking, and we're really curious about, 
there's there's a few changes. Obviously, you're aware of them. 14 stages plus a prologue instead of 12 stages. Mm-hmm. Um, longer overall. Uh, shorter liaisons. At least that's what they're saying. I hope that's the case. I'm saying. Um, yeah. And then your understanding, Mason, of the A-B route and and uh, the number of riders. Have you heard anything about the number of riders entered in the race? Uh Yes, but I don't think I am like, I don't think I'm in a position to talk about it. Like, I don't actually know. I don't know the real, you know what I mean? Got it. Yep. Like, yep. Bart that's fine. Stuff, but then he also says, don't repeat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And you're referring to I number shouldn't have writer? said what I just said, right? But <laughs> I'm learning. No, I mean, and, and, and it's true because the other thing is, is you know, with the, with the audience is, all it takes, you know, one person says a number and then it becomes, you know, instantly it's like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so said this and that's, you know, it's law now. And that's what it is. So, you know, I think about this. we get it. Yeah. No worries. I, I heard, I heard there were only 10 motorcycles in this. Yeah. yeah. Yep. 10. I think, I think like Skylar was saying, it, it really is about safety. Yeah. I know that if you haven't already signed up, you'd have, if you haven't already been accepted, you have a really low chance of getting accepted because for any of the Americans that were waiting for Sonora or something, if they were, it'd be really hard to get in because obviously most spots are taken, mm-hmm. if not all spots. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll 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 definitely be interesting to see, you know, if in the name of safety, they're reducing the entries and, you know, like we now know that they're they're reducing the speeds and they're do, they're working on it, you know, to do it. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes down. Uh, yeah. Was there uh, my last question is, what any of the changes that they made this year were there? Was there one that you were like, oh, this is going to be good or, oh, this is horrible. Why would you guys do this? Uh. So I almost fully forgot about the speed zone mm-hmm. thing, you know, the whole race. Yeah. But the thing that I really am not excited for, like, of course, I want to see how it works out, mm-hmm. which is the uh, the bonus time thing. Like, I'd love to see how it works, mm-hmm. but I don't. Speaking to David Castera, he explained to me the reason for these rule changes is uh, fairness in racing, right? Mm-hmm. And what the organization is trying to do is to reward the good navigators who are also fast at riding with not having to lose a bunch of time when opening, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's unfair because of a lot of reasons, but giving free time. It's not free time. Like, obviously, you earned it, right? But it makes like you could go really deep into it. Yeah. Like talk about fairness. Yeah. And I, and I, I agree. So, it, and it'll be interesting, but I mean, for you, I remember when we last talked and, and, or the conversation had come up is that you, you didn't mind so much opening that you, that you enjoyed it. Is that, that's still the case? Yeah, I definitely enjoy it. But, uh, it's really hard to stay up front. Like, I feel like a lot of the top guys, they don't want to give you a chance. Like that it's always, Usually it's everybody pushing to get in front of the lead rider. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I noticed for sure. The one stage, uh, stage four or whatever. Um, I got a good amount of time to open, like mm-hmm. tried to push to get in front of me. 
but yeah, I, I think the pushing to get in front is going to get a lot crazier. Like with the speed limit, it's a, uh, it's a race to open, you know, because they're looking for the, the, the time bonus, you know, or it's not the first guy, it's the top five or whatever. Okay. Well, what about the sixth guy? He just, he finishes in the group, but he doesn't get it or, I mean, that's not exactly how it works, obviously, but it's yeah. I'm, in the end talking about fairness. I feel like it, you can't make it fair. Racing isn't supposed to be fair, you know? And I mean, it should be fair. Everybody should have the same rules, Yeah, but yeah, I think it's kind of a crazy rule. Yeah, I get it. I like what you're saying is it's a little bit dicey when you start the whole racing thing is all about time. And when mm-hmm. you start giving it away, I'm going to use the term arbitrarily. So some, some rule and okay, well we give some seconds here. We give some seconds there. Like I, I think it just remains to be seen like a clear explanation. Okay, guys, this is the system. This is how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And, and then, okay. All right. Yeah. That maybe that does seem fair because otherwise, I mean, the only time right now that I know of in rally raid that it's fair to give time back is when it's a, a an assistance where another rider has to stop but usually there's a hard and fast rule. You can tell when they stopped and you can tell when they started moving and it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. For safety and for whatever, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fair. I yeah. agree. Yeah. But you know what? Lucky for me, uh, this is only my second year. I feel like rules don't really matter yet. Uh, I think I knew a lot of the rules going into last year, but um, for sure I didn't know all of them. Yeah. So this is just one more rule to learn and, uh, I think I just have to learn it just like everyone else. Yeah. I think it's like, it'll definitely make the race more exciting Yeah. because they're they're. I don't know, I guess hopefully people don't stop as much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It'll definitely, I'm kind of excited about the minimal amount of liaisons. So the more time without liaison, the better. Does every Molly moto rider have a seat cushion? I'm eating my way into cushy seats. Big old cushy seats. Because I think even with the cushy cushy seat, if you're not sitting on air, it's not good. I mean, Kyle McCoy would know, right? But (laughs) Yeah, Mason's referring to the fact that you really have to take care of your ass during during a race of this distance. And I experienced that firsthand. And if you get behind... One percent. It's very difficult to catch back up. And like one hundred percent, not joking, but needs to be like from the beginning of the race. You need to take care. Like sit down when you have to. Yeah, right. Otherwise, be standing. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. You're, you're saying you're saying lube it every day. Is that what you're saying, Mason? That's what we're we're, we're skirting around the lube it every day. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like Noah said, the. The other Dakar rider that's at my house right now, pretty sick. Great information. He's helping me out with a lot of stuff. He wears, uh, it's like cycling shorts, but they're underwear, right? So it has the padding like in the butt. I was just, I was waiting for a break and I was going to say, well, what about wearing, um, yeah, cycling shorts or whatever underneath that have the padding? Uh So he says he wears that with the lubrication, but he's not sitting on a stock seat. You know, I think think no matter what, uh, for me, I need to build. Yeah. 
Yeah, for the audience, this is probably a little bit of a strange path we're going down, but it's incredibly, <laughs> incredibly important, um, which Mason brings up, and it can end a rider's race, uh, which sounds kind of crazy, but this is just the distances that you're covering. If you think about it, you're on a bike for 12, 14, sometimes 16 hours a day uh, for those of us that aren't going as fast as Mason, and, and it can be really challenging if you don't take care take care of your back end during that race. Um, but Mason, we'll probably let you go here and we appreciate your time. And I, and I would just say what you're doing is amazing, especially at your age. We know you're going to continue to do it. And, um, we look forward to training with you and lead up, you know, when we can to a Dakar and 10 Americans being there is a big deal for all of us. Cause we can look out for each other. Yeah. I did want to talk about that. Like, like, uh, like you said, only, I guess I'm the 34th, right. But not that long ago, it was hard to get so many people together, you know, to do road books from my point of view. And I feel like through the last couple of years, it has definitely grown a lot in America. Thanks to people like Ricky and Skyler and Andrew. Um, yeah, it's really nice to see everybody get together and the, the group and all the talking we get to do. We get to ride with each other all across all the states and have so much fun. And that's what I really enjoy about rally is riding with other people and making friends and seeing new things. So thank you guys. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. It's been awesome. Mason, I'll see you in Flagstaff in a couple of days and then, uh, we'll see you in Saudi. Sounds good. See you guys there. See you. Awesome. See you. Adios. Hasta luego. Enjoy dinner. Crazy. Crazy. Well, that's your, that's two pros and a, and you know, the guy we all think is going to be the next pro coming down the pipeline. Right. I mean, um, I think we all have expectations that, uh, he's going to get picked up somewhere down the pipe. I, I have a feeling that he is going to be, it's either going to be on a Husky or it's going to be a gas gas, I think, but I know he has aspirations to have a Red Bull helmet. So that would mean he's, he's on the orange. So I don't know, but I, I, I definitely agree with that. All right. Our next one, we got, we got a little ways to go. Just jumped on Jacob Argybright. Hi there. Howdy. How's everybody doing? Well, it's uh, a few days before the episode airs. I won't say what day we're recording, but <laughs> just for content. I know, right? Ah. Doing good. How are you, sir? You know, doing good. Just working on the computer here, waiting to make some dinner, and I had a great day. Nice. So, and an acceptance letter not too uh, long ago. Yeah. No, I'm really excited. Um, I, You know, the word's going around, like, obviously, the, the bikes are full as of now, which I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened, which is really cool. Um, and this year, you know, I've never done Dakar, so... I'm not sure how everything goes. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be in uh, my team manager. Phillips said like, no worries. Like you're in, you should be fine. And then I got the email along with everybody else. And yeah, now I'm in and I'm stoked. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Jacob, David here, give us a rundown of what team you're playing on and how did it all come together for you? Yeah. So I will be racing with the dust co rally team. Um, it started, last year uh i forget i was searching on the internet for something something for rally and the their website turned up 
And basically I got in contact with Philip. He's the manager um, and ended up going to the Abu Dhabi desert challenge in November. And I like the team. They're cool. Um, and just kind of kept, kept in contact and yeah, made a deal for this year, which is awesome. Cause like I said, I know I'm, I know what I'm getting. It's a good team and yeah, that's who I'll be writing for. Nice. And so, I mean, now where are you at? Like, okay. So acceptance, acceptance letter, that's, that's the hurdle, right? And, and what's the next big hurdle for you between now and, and the, the starting line? Uh, making funds. I'm still fundraising. Um, you know, I've had a plan and I'm just kind of going along with it, but that'll really be my big challenge. You know, as soon as I raise enough money and everything is paid off and I'm on a plane to Saudi, I will be relieved like this weight will be off my chest and then we can go racing. Nice. It it will be nice when all the bullshit's over and we're on the desert. Uh, that is, that is accurate. I agree. And actually the days are starting to tick by real quick. It's like, it's starting to become fall and, uh, yeah, I gotta start training soon here, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy how quick it's already coming. Yeah. I, oh, I don't know. I mean, these, uh, both Kyle and David will know, would know that and how, how much it feels or how, how little time feels now. So, Tell me, uh, tell me about the training. What are you, uh, what are you working on to get ready for the Dakar? Um, well, you know, I've just been kind of working out and doing my cardio as of now. Um, really my focus has just been fundraising. I'll, I'll start picking it up here soon. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually going to do Baja rally and Sonora rally. So I will start doing more road books soon. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically once I'm, done with that in November, I'm going to do a big boot camp mm-hmm. and just do a couple weeks of, of, uh, road books. Um, I'm, I'm pretty fit, you know, I could always be fitter, but my, my main challenge is going to be navigation and, and just the logistics of getting there and, and just kind of experiencing Dakar for the first time. Um, I, I know I can handle it, but it's really just training to not make mistakes and just do the best I can. Nice. Yeah, I think that's going to be the, the the first experience, right? The first ride out there and, and doing that. Well, you you've already been on that side of the planet, right? You've done was it Morocco? No, uh, I saw it last year. It was Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, and yes, and that was quite the experience. And that's like basically how I got hooked. And I was like, all right, let's do Dakar. But yeah, I went over there by myself. Like it was a definitely an eye opening, crazy experience. So I have a little bit of a taste of it, but I know, you know, Dakar is much gnarlier. Um, so yeah. For those that don't know, this is Kyle Jacob and we haven't, I don't think we formally met, but I, you know, I've heard so much about you and I know you're an an amazing writer. Look forward to writing with you over in Dakar, but those that don't know, I didn't, I did Abu Dhabi in uh, March this year. Um, it is the, I think hands down, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sounds like we got an internet break. So it's, it's amazing training, uh, five-day rally instead of uh, instead of uh, two-week. It's a one-week, but really good training. And, and uh, Jacob went over there and did that last year and did really well. Yeah. I mean, so if you went over that, now, did you stay in the uh, the resort or did you stay in the tent? 
in the resort. I, I'm, I'm too old and I'm too old uh, uh, and lazy to stay in the tent. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I stayed in the tent and I didn't know what I was getting into. I parked right next to a UTV and uh, I had, I had a, an eye cover over my eyes. I had my noise canceling headphones on. I could still hear them. It was so hot that I put a wet towel over me to sleep. But at, like during it was terrible, but it was actually something super memorable. It's just, just trying to sleep out in the tent out there. <laughs> well, since I'm doing Malimoto, I probably should have done that. So I'm, I'm just going to pay the price for it when I arrive in, in South yeah. God, you, should, you, you should do tent practice. That's for sure. There should be some tent practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that would definitely help. I mean, you're going to be there. I mean, you got enough challenges, you know, maintaining everything and yourself, like, if you can make your sleep that much easier, like, yeah, you're going to do that much better. Yeah. And for those that don't know, it's called the Abu Dhabi desert challenge. It's a great race. Basically anybody can enter it. It's just a matter of getting yourself and, and you're, you know, you're you're renting a bike and getting there to Abu Dhabi. And there's several companies that do that. One of which Jacob already mentioned, um, um, bus Dakar, same thing. They do the, they support it. BAS Dakar. Like I talked about earlier. So it's a great entry into the sport. So Jacob, I know we've been running through all of the Americans on this call and kind of hitting them with some hard, good questions. What's, what's your one advice to somebody that wants to do this race? What should they do first? Oh man, that is a doozy. Um, Well, I mean, technically you're supposed to go do a world rally. So I would say start there. Honestly, it, it helps to go do, a world rally because you get somewhat of the experience. Um, you know, it depends, depends what kind of rider you are. If you're, if you're, if you consider yourself a good rider, then I would just work on navigation. Um, and I would just keep an open mind, you know, like I mentioned with the sleeping in the tent, it was terrible, but I kept an open mind. I was positive about it. And I realized I, I could be, you know, stuck at a desk that week and, you know, I would, I would rather be out in the desert sleeping in the hundred degree heat than, you know, at home. So, um, open mind, be positive and just use common sense too. Like for road books, um, trust your gut. So yeah, that's, that's my advice. Solid. Nice. And I have, I have my, my last question for you. And because then we'll, we'll rewind back to the Abu Dhabi. You were on a, uh, rally KTM rally right out there the 450 rally yes sir uh so that versus your 501 tell me about that ride what's what what are the differences what uh what do you like so with the rally replica it's a longer larger bike um for the little bit of chop the little bit of gravel it soaks it up better um it's you know I, I would think it's faster. It felt faster. I mean, the motor is really nice. Um, it's nice and smooth, nice and long. You know, it's really comfy to ride. The seat is bigger than my 501. Um, at first, it feels like a large bike, but the more I rode it, the more the more I got used to it, and I was able to ride it like a small bike, and it does ride really well. Um, but I think I think the biggest difference is the weight. Um, I think that really helps for long desert. Um, and yeah, in, you know, my 501, 
I just have the uh, RMS Sonora Tower on it and just the five gallon tank, you know, which which helps with the weight and stuff. Um, it's just basically a little, little bit more nimble, but honestly, that Rally Replica rides like a small bike, and it, it's really good. Nice. Which is which is crazy because I mean they they hold a ton of gas, but. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't notice. I, I think I was just more like in a mind game that I'm riding this big, huge bike. But like I said, the more the more you ride it, the, the smaller it feels. Like you just get used to it. Nice. I feel so. like uh, all right. And I think so. Here's the here's the question because you're a very accomplished rider here, here in the desert. I watch your riding style and all that stuff, and it's like you're you're water on the bike. I mean, I've seen that the video that's been circulating about you going through the rock, this rock section at one of the last races. And it's like every part of the bike is moving. Every part of you is moving like you're all over the place. Uh, would you trade the 501 and what you do now for a rally bike and go full time rally? Oh, so does that mean does that mean full rally, no desert racing? Uh, <laughs> when you see the desert, it would be behind a rally tower. Oh man. You know, I, I don't think so. And so here's why I grew up desert racing. I love doing desert. I love doing technical. Um, I don't think I could ever trade it in for the experiences I've had on a normal bike. Um, and I've been, you know, I'm 31 years old, so I've been doing this a while. What I like about the rally, you know, doing rally now is like, it's a really new experience to me. Like, I don't feel like I'm that good at it. So I like, you know, making big gains and learning, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think I could trade it. And you know, the other thing too is with rally, you're focused on navigating and obviously the competition is growing and we're pushing more, Mm -hmm. but when you rally, or at least when I do, like I think a little bit more when I race desert, I'm pretty zoned out and like you get in more of a, of a flow and you're just balls of the walls. And I, I don't think I could trade that feeling. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, there is, there's a, a very big difference in adrenaline. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and racing in the desert has got me to this point to be able to do rally. So like, I just, I don't think I could trade it in for sure. Gotcha. But 50, 50, we're okay. Yeah, 50-50 for sure. No, and I love rally. Like, I'm like a kid in the candy store right now because, I, like I said, I don't feel like I'm that good at it. So it's just like give me all you can get and anything, everything. Like listen to this podcast, making road books. Like give me more. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Uh, Jim? Or I mean Jim. I just gave away our next guest. Damn, I was saving that. because <laughs> Kyle, David, <laughs> you guys got another question for Jacob? No more. I think, uh, taking I think we're good, Jacob. We look forward to seeing you, but yeah. 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 Um, yeah. If you guys are ever down, I mean, I'm sure, I, you know, I didn't look at the entry list. I'm sure we're all going to Baja Rally and Sonora, but if anyone is out there that needs books, I can make books. Um, and actually, did you guys have uh, Nathan Rafferty on? No. Okay. Not yet. I actually, okay. Not yet. Well, I just saw my email and he made a donation to me. So just shout out to Nathan. I appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. So, awesome. Cool, Jacob. Yeah, we'll talk. We'd love more road books. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jacob. Thank you and, and good luck. And yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. I actually got to order a couple more t-shirts from you. So 
help uh, support that. And then uh, we'll get all the links together and everything so we can get this, uh, get that information out. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Have a good evening. Bye. All right. Our next guest. We'll need no introduction. Well, I, I ruined it. I was like rapid fire round. And then I was like, oh, yeah. So. Bam, bam, bam. David, you might know he's got the technical. Well, <laughs> you know, I told you you had to like call him on the 18th minute of this call. It clearly didn't work that way. But, no, you know. if he logs in in the next three seconds, he will be at 118 seconds into this episode. <laughs> uh, he and I have been racing since, I don't know, since I could walk, maybe since there was since there was a way to roll to the kitchen. I don't know. <laughs> Nice. Uh-oh. Now there's trouble on this line. Jim? You betcha, Victor. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Very nice. Where in the world are you right now? I am at Mount Ararat, Turkey, which is right on the border of Iran. Nice. Well, you... you what you've what time is it there? Yeah. It is 5.30 in the morning. All right. At least he's not two scotches in, so but it should be a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, I got a smile on my face, so it's great. Yeah, you're talking to you. So, so I'd like to let you know and inform you that you have won the furthest distance from <laughs> from where this podcast is being recorded oh, at this time. Excellent. <laughs> nice. Somebody's got to be halfway around the world. There you go. Just a little closer to Saudi, right? Um, yeah, do south of here. There you go. Nice. So acceptance letters, everything ready. Are you ready? Are you coming back to the States before the rally? Um, probably just to, to pick up some gear, Victor. Uh, uh, cause, cause Kyle McCoy won't ship it to me. <laughs> uh Oh, it, it costs more to ship there than the gear itself costs. Uh, I doubt I doubt that we'll figure that out but yes yeah, likely to just come get back some get some gear and get all my sponsorship packages together do a few more interviews there you go um, try to get some training rides in with uh, brother David and whoever else is around very nice yes, you're welcome to take up the rear Jim no, yeah well I'll show you some dust David it'll be fun <laughs> So if you guys have been listening to the podcast, or this is okay. switching over for those playing the home game. If you've been listening to the podcast, I always talk about what it's like in the bivouac. And these two are the ones that are always flaming each other over the dumbest things, but it's so much fun hanging out with them. And I mean, it's all good fun. I mean, that's it. The only one missing is Mike Johnson. And, and we have fun with it. You know, that, that banter is what makes you laugh and smile during the day. And, uh, could give you some energy and get you out of a funk if you get into it. So that's why we do it. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, my, my, my question to you, Jim is, so you, you got that. We've been working hard. This you've been working hard at this for a couple of years and you've gone through a couple of Dakar challenge challenges. And so you got your, your stuff on Friday. How did, how'd you feel? What, what was the first thing you did or said? Uh, it was pretty awesome. Smile on my face. You know, I've been, uh, probably five Dakar challenges at this point, And I think I got second in pretty much, uh, three of them. So, you know, just 
right on the edge, always there on the edge and, um, it's kind of good to finally get it all coming together. Nice. I can imagine that's, uh, when was, uh, when was your first, the car challenge? Uh, back when Skyler won it. So that, which was awesome to see that was, uh, the right guy to get out there and go do it. So I'm glad, uh, watching him progress all these years has been a lot of fun and I hope he does uh, a great rally this year and has a bunch of success at it. Nice. Well, all you guys, cause you, you're, you're part of the American rally originals. Come on. Yeah, we're going to rock and roll. I th- we'll try to get five to the finish for sure. Yes. We'll, we'll set a big record. There it is. And so what do you, what's the, the thing you're looking, I mean, you, you do a lot of traveling every, every time I see a, uh, the random Facebook post from you, you're somewhere different in the world. Getting, getting tickets, getting <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So what's, uh, what are you looking forward to? The biggest thing you're looking forward to going to Dakar this year or coming year? Um, you know, part of it for me is going to be the, the actually the fun and the challenge of getting there. I'm going to try to drive there. And, um, you know, the, uh, the other part is going to be, uh, doing some more training in the Europe area. I think I got a race lined up in Romania in a couple of months and just keep doing road book training. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep myself in good shape. Been hiking four or five kilometers a day or, or more and bicycle riding. So it's been good seeing these sites, uh, uh, makes you hike up and down everywhere and it's, uh, quite enjoyable. Nice. So, mm. all right. Hopefully not too many more tickets and getting pulled over, but you know, that's part of the game. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe I'd just jump in real quick here, Victor, and say, yeah. um, you know, as a somewhat a little bit of a newcomer relative to, although I don't feel so new anymore, but you know, my first race, I was introduced almost immediately to Jim and Jim and I sort of hit it off. And what I like about Jim is he's always just pretty positive and also mellow. Also, I describe him as mellow, no matter how bad things feel, he just tends to be pretty neutral. And it's kind of what you need out there in a rally whenever things are stressful. And on top of that, he's, probably and i'm going to segue now into the american rally originals right so we've talked with the two factory riders we've talked with the next to be factory rider most likely um which is mason and we've talked with a national hare and hound champion in jacob argybride and now we're transitioning to those of us that are going over without support and we're doing it our own way which is the mali moto now called original by motul and what's important about that is obviously you got to have mechanical skills, which I'm the weak link when it comes to that. And Jim is probably our strongest link when it comes to that. Uh, so he sort of fills that role in the team. Not that we're going to rely. He's, he needs to, we need to rely on him, but if something comes down to it, of course I'll go over and ask Jim and he's probably going to know it far quicker than I, than I would in the race. So I just wanted to throw that out there that Jim's, you know, he's our he's genuinely a positive and neutral guy, unemotional. He's a mechanic. He's really good at that stuff. And also just travels a lot, like you've already alluded to. So he, he knows the ins and outs of traveling. Oh, yeah. uh, 
I get I get a thrill out of solving those problems, Kyle. It, it gives me uh, that little boost of energy when you can kind of find an alternate plan and and successfully, you know, self rescue yourself or get yourself to the finish. And that I get jazzed out of that. That's a that's a lot of fun to me. So, you know, I'm hoping that I can, you know. Be a helping hand with the team and make sure that everybody makes it to the end. We're gonna we're gonna run into some of those challenges, and they're gonna each one is gonna be unique, and it's gonna be uh, fun to sort it all out. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna second what Kyle said, and because it was actually both both of you guys, but I mean, with Jim, you guys saved my ass a couple of times at Baja Rally. And there were, <laughs> there was times I was blowing bubbles <laughs> and you guys would come over and just talking to you guys and it, and it helped. So I, you know, I appreciate that even though I wasn't racing with you guys, but it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, it was, it was good having you guys there in the bivouac, you know, well, in, at time. Victor, we, we, we understand, you know, you were the race director there and man, you've got a lot of things to coordinate and. Uh, sometimes it's good just to have somebody go over and say thank you for doing all the hard work you do. And we do appreciate it, Victor, because without without guys like you and keeping interest in the sport and keeping it alive and going out and doing that volunteer time, um, you know, that, that makes all the difference for the, for, for everybody in the rally community. Good. Yeah. I'm happy to help. I'll second that with Victor, you know, leading this charge tonight because, you know, Scotty, Darren, Michael Graves, everybody that spends the time and energy to put on some of these rallies. The one big thing I've learned is it takes some effort and, and you just got to appreciate what they do. It's yeah. it's it's cool. There's a there's I've I've learned this in working with a few of the organizations from a, a higher level or away from and not directly involved, but it does take a certain bit of craziness to make it happen because there is just so many moving pieces to it. And I, uh, at this point right now, it's the, uh, Mike Graves is the one that sticks out uh, with the, the Kota rally. Cause it's one thing to organize and do it, but then to get all of these governing bodies and all of these regulatory, you know, commissions or whatever on board is just insane for them to actually uh, say, okay, we'll let you do it. My, my- Mike has actually got it coordinated in two states, and it's the first permitted American rally. Uh, and he's got it uh, AMA sanctioned this year as a cross-country rally. That's that's pretty awesome that he's been able to get that done. And a big kudos for him. I was out there helping uh, coordinate that event last year and did all of the roadbook verifications prior to the race and. I mean, he's got a nice package together and it's going to go off really well for him this year. Nice. I think, I think so too. Uh, so that was, that's my part, but what's this something I hear about a 18? David? Uh Oh, are we on an internet break? We are on an internet break. I think this may be the first episode where we do an intermission. I got to get like some elevator music. I'm curious. I don't know. I, I heard there's a story that's something about 18. 
I I don't know what that story is either. I've, no? I've, I've, we might, David's going to have to fill in the gaps there. I know. All right, now we really need to know. So here, Okay, so here's what we're going to do. So he's on an internet break. I'm going to send the link to Paul Neff so he can jump in and he can listen to the 18 story too. I don't know. Well, that's awesome. He, he just told me he's on like 18. I was oh yeah, you got to ask something about 18. I don't remember. That was over an hour ago that he said it, so. Let's see who That's is. perfect. And David, David's back in, so Paul right. will join. Yeah, now we're all on the same team. It's pretty easy. Yeah. All right, David. Well, you know, almost if, if you can do it, uh, just to wrap up the night, Victor, why don't you ring Mo in, and then we got the whole ARO team, and we'll... we'll... Let me... Oh. I think we can... Do... Oh, we can't do six, huh? Uh, maybe. I don't know. It told me I have a limit of five, but... Let's let's break it, Victor. That's what we do. We break things. Yeah, let's yeah. Let, let's break it. Okay, so Paul Neff is now on the line, but before we get to Paul, Paul will be in just a second because there's a very important story. Something about eighteen. I was we said bring up the number eighteen. It it was uh, it's just Jim and I have bench raced for years, and somewhere we went down to do the Baja One Thousand, and in our efforts of of you know bickering with each other and fighting over who was going to ride. 546 miles and who was going to ride 487 miles we said screw you and we both went in and did it iron man and then at, at every pit stop our entire family pit crew said the first two words out of your mouth was where's my brother where's my brother and uh i think the end of the day there was an 18 minute spread between us for the thousand mile race wasn't there jim well, my memory is more like 15 minutes, and I was on the losing end of that one, unfortunately. But you got it. And we and we see this stuff at the car every year, too, is that, man, you race for 3,000 miles, and there's only like 12 minutes between, you know, 10 guys. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Speaking of a few minutes above, uh, I know Paul joined us because I, I was, I haven't asked you, Paul, but what was the spread at the, um, what was the desert race? The stump jumper? Is that what they called it? Yeah, uh, the Desert One Hundred in Odessa. I think you're talking about. Yeah. What was the spread between first and second on that race? I, it was. I think it was just a minute. Yeah, just a minute. That's not very long when all things considering you know and what paul's what paul's not saying is paul was the overall winner and by the way so this is kyle mccoy again we've got now um to set the stage for you paul we have victor and aro on the call except mo and i think that's just uh, a technology uh, limitation but in any event now we're down to the american rally originals paul neff uh is the youngest of the American Rally Rizzles. Also, I would argue, uh, inarguably, the, fast, the fastest. And he is newest to the, he's also the newest to the sport of uh, rally racing. So he's come on fast, learned the, uh, the art of navigation, and he's got an amazing mentor. And the first person we had on, which was Ricky. Uh, and what, what David's referring to is Paul won the Washington state's desert 100, which those of us in the Northwest know extremely well, it's the largest race by far. Uh, and he won it resoundingly, which is a big deal on a rally bike, by the way, with a rally tower. So, so I think he probably took a little bit more risk than I would have taken 
but he, <laughs> he, he won the race. And Paul won't brag, so I'm going to do it for him. He's an ISDE, former ISDE gold medalist. Uh, he, he has a, has a, you know, a bright future in this, but I think he's doing it for the fun of it. And he has a goal of finishing Dakar. Um, so now you're kind of getting a sense for the audience of the group here and what makes us up. And just briefly, and I know I'm rambling here, but this is important briefly because we haven't talked about this yet. Dakar rally, I believe this is the 45th year. No American has finished Malimoto or the now called original by Motul class. And that's what the five of us are attempting to do, which is to finish, be the first Americans to finish the Malimoto class. So now I'll turn it back over to you, Victor. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 not at all. So, all right, Paul, the, the question yeah. I've been asking, right? So the letter, where were you? When did you, when you got accepted? What was, uh, what was that like? What was that feeling? Oh, it was, uh, it was, we'd been waiting a few days or a week or more, you know, my whole life pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd, I would be in a position to do Dakar. And, uh, I got that, that letter and it was a huge relief. Cause I, I have, uh, rallied the Northwest behind my program. I, have put, you know, so much work into trying to, like Kyle said, catch up in the rally world. I can, I can ride, but there was so much navigation and, and learning that I, I have been doing. And it was all riding on this one letter. You know, I've been, I've been training for getting this letter fitness wise and blah, blah, blah. And when I got it, it was just like, here we go. All of that stress like went away. And then we got all this new stress coming. <laughs> so I just, it just traded stress, but I, I was just so thankful and, and happy and, and pumped to be part of this crew, you know, this, this idea, this, this goal. Nice. Yeah. We were all kind of on pins and needles this year, you know, cause they reduced the amount of motorcycle riders that were going to be entered in the race. And, uh, and, I just saw a little notification that the FIM and the ASO, uh, also put more emphasis on um, a stronger caliber rider to be at the event. So that, you know, that makes us feel proud that we've actually been able to successfully uh, be eligible to um, go to the car this year. It sounds outstanding. Yeah, that's, I, I can, uh, I mean, from what we heard earlier, uh, that there is a there is a a large amount of uh, didn't make it letters that went out. I mean, that's it, it. Just adds a little bit more, you know, to that, right? Being one of the one of the hundred riders or one of the this elite group of riders around the world, you know, it, it's all your guys' resume. We, yeah, I, I talked about it earlier. Yeah, it's it's uh, non the whole distinction between pro and not and who's what class and all that stuff. But I mean, you, you have to be pro to get to, to get to the Dakar. I mean, they don't, they don't just take anybody. So you guys have all uh, earned your, earned your stripe for sure. Yeah. Thank Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, I was pretty, pretty happy when, when we got the letters and then when we all got them, it was like this, this idea, this goal that, that Kyle and David and, and the other guys had of getting all five of us in, it was like, this is going to happen. And it, it just was like, our plans are coming to fruition. You know, our goals 
and it was all riding on that letter. That's, that's awesome. I can, I can only imagine the feeling. And, and I just want to say really, really quickly, I can, I can confirm that, uh, we are at capacity in the chat room at the moment, so I can't get Mo in. I wanted to get right. him, but well, kick, kick Jim out. He's in Turkey. <laughs> I can feel the love. No, no, but I mean, seriously. So I'm kind of go back to, to, to Paul. What's, uh, tell me about the training. All right. You're, you know, you're in, that's that hurdle. Uh, are you running more road books? What do you, what are you looking to do? Because you, you have, you have your foot in every discipline. Uh, yeah, riding wise, I feel, uh, pretty well-rounded. I, I ride a lot of trials. I ride a ton of enduro is my background. You know, I ride pro motocross. Like I, I'm, I feel confident there, but, but rally adds all these elements, the, the navigation long days, you know, my, my fitness was, I, th- I felt my fitness was something that needed to be addressed. So I've been working on that since last, since after Sonora pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a I got an awesome gym by my house. I go to the gym at four thirty every morning before work, and uh, so I'll continue that. And as for road books, uh, living in Washington, it's it's a bit difficult because we don't we don't have like uh, the open space that you might see in uh, California, Nevada, Arizona to to run like a, what I would consider a true road book. So uh, my game plan for I guess from now until Dakar is, is I just took, I've been saving my vacation for years at my work. I work a normal day job, just digging holes, uh, in the ground. And I just put in an unbelievably large vacation request that got approved. And I am going to head South in October, do the Baja rally, do Sonora and spend a week or two in, in Pahrump. And and then do the same late November and spend another three weeks or so down in, in Nevada. So all of this has kind of happened in the last couple of days, but that's where I feel I need to be to to boost my roadbook experience. Right. I don't have years of rally experience and, and navigation, but I have the best people in my corner to catch me up or or get me to a point where I'm super confident. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my plan. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of road book. And, and I'm, yeah, and that is a pretty gnarly vacation request. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah it, it, it was, it was great. Uh, my work is, is very supportive. So I, uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Nice. Very nice. Cool. So, all right. Who else? Uh, Kyle? You got any, uh, we, ISD Eagles menace, any other things we need to know about Paul? No, I would say that, um, you, you, we nailed it. So, so basically we're a team of five, um, come from different backgrounds. We have, we have, you know, speed and Paul and, you know, uh, navigation and speed and David mechanic and Jim, we have navigation, uh, and Mo and myself, and uh, really, we're, I think we're pretty well-rounded. We'll support one another. But again, we are a team of five, which, which will help one another. But also, we're, we have to finish on our own volition, you know. So the audience has heard now it's expanded to 14 days plus a prologue. The audience has heard about the changes, which are really important. The A-B route, the number of riders, the safety, 
with the air. I guess we haven't talked about the airbag, but everyone wears an airbag now. Um, it's going to be an adventure and it's going to be starting January 1st and going through January 15th of 2023. So follow us, uh, look at, look at our, you know, our website at uh, American rally originals. You can look at us up on social media. We're also going to be pretty prominent at Sonora rally and the Baja rally. So look us up there. Um, and we're just missing our last participant, which is Mo. Yeah, so I, uh, let's, I'm actually yeah. trying uh, trying something. Let's let's see if this works. Uh, have we? Have, has anybody pumped up Kyle McCoy for? No, not yet. Let's do it. The time to get organized and his background about being an Army Ranger and a marathon runner, long distance, and converting over to rally. We we spoke about that. Uh, I don't think we've spoken about that. But we just did. Yeah, yes, sounds like Jim just did it. That in that in his dream of uh, you know, we you know Kyle and I have been talking about this for probably two or three years about the Malimoto thing, and uh, you know, and he he did the research on finding out what every American has ever done at the Dakar and realized that there was kind of a gap in the original by Mo tools category and and said about a plan and at least two years ago maybe even right after he finished the Dakar in 2020 so he's a he's a driving force absolutely no I I appreciate it Jim and I and so you know the reality is to, to Jim's point I finished in 2020 and looked around and thought man those guys over there look like they're really suffering in the in the Malimoto <laughs> class and I thought that looks great you know it scares it scares the shit out of me and at the same time it makes me motivated so that's what I need um and the only thing I'm decent at is organization so I've sort of put together this band of brothers and we're going to take this, take this on. Uh, but I, I appreciate that, Jim. My pleasure, Kyle. Right. Okay. So I'm going to take a quick, we're, we're experimenting technology here and I'm just curious, Mo, can you hear me? I can hear you, Victor. I can't hear anybody else. You can't hear anybody else. Ah, okay. We were, we were trying, I was trying to get everybody. <laughs> so everybody's talking in the other, on the other side. It's just, ah, I don't know this program. Well, let's uh, let's let me do this. I don't know. Uh, can you guys still hear me over uh, on the other side? Yeah, I, I can drop out. I'm I'm six a.m. here in Turkey and getting my day started and punch chat with uh, Mo a little bit. And uh, I'm super excited to have Mo there with us. He's uh, he's another one of those steady eddies where you know he just uh, grinds it along, and we know that's what it takes to get this. Uh, uh, Mali Moto class is just it, it's a grind and just got to keep focused and keep working at it. Nice, but it's been a pleasure talking with all you guys and thank you for organizing this, Victor. Yeah, no, no, thank you guys for 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 being on for sure, and thank you for uh, waking up a little earlier. Yeah, love you, brother. Uh, I'll catch up with you later, and hopefully we'll see you stateside uh, before the next round of races in September, October. Yeah, round up all my gear, David. I need it to go all in one one spot. Yeah, I'll talk to Kyle for you. Okay, thanks. Work on him. <laughs> See you guys. All right, Appreciate everything. Enjoy. Bye, Paul. Bye. All right, let me tell uh, Mo. 
trying I was trying to get fancy there. I was like, oh look, I can just like call him on WhatsApp and then maybe we can all jump in. But uh yeah, that didn't work. But I in the old him, days I used to just turn two headsets on two phones in reverse, and that's what we called as a conference call. <laughs> nice. Three, four, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's what we gotta Yeah, we uh, you know, we we didn't mention and I think Kyle's been throwing a bunch of history out, but I think Jim was also the most senior member of our ARO group. Oh. Uh, just, just for age knowledge. Okay. All right. All right. So he's, he's the, the chaperone. Are we going to go with that or? Well, we, we have Paul Neff, who's the youngest and, and Jim who's the oldest. And that, that puts, that puts our friend Mo, uh, squarely somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah. Mo, would you agree yes. with that? Uh, I think I'm in the middle somewhere. Yeah. yeah. The one with the most hair for sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <damn>. <laughs> this is true, by yeah. the way. Mo won't say you should be on a Pantene Pro V commercial. I got to, <laughs> I got to take it where I can get it. So hey, yeah, you know what? Yeah. We're, we're not knocking anything. If it's on the side of the bike, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good to be on the show. Yeah, of course. So, okay. The first, I'll, I'll, first question I've been asking, because I mean, this has been, uh, uh, tell me about the acceptance letter. Uh, I came about a week after I thought it was going to come. So it was the longest week I think I've had in a while, but I was very happy to get it. And remember the moment very clearly, WhatsApp started blowing up and I knew something had come through and, you know, talked to some of the boys right away and it was all good news. So very exciting. Nice. And I mean, yeah. that's, that's a big deal. I mean, Kyle's, Kyle's mentioned it a couple of times, but I mean, it's all five of you guys on the team in the Malamoto team. So from what I understand, they limited the size or the amount of registered or bikes that could go. And then they also, with that, they have a very small group of Malamoto and you guys are taking up a chunk of that. Let's yeah. See. I mean, with 10 Americans going and five in Malamoto, I mean, making up a legitimate percentage of the population of the riders very nice yeah and that and that goes back to um and it's a good point victor it goes back to 34 americans that finished the race so if you think about that for a minute um if 10 of us finish which i certainly hope that would be the case then that's you know you're looking at 30 percent of the total in history of americans to finish will now be added to that number so pretty cool and also We've been having a lot of conversation for um, Mo and Paul, who joined recently, um, about the number of riders, which is most people think it's around 100. We don't know with certainty, but most people think it's around 100, which is reduced for those in the audience from 150. Historically, it's been 35 in Malimoto, and we don't know if that's the case, but we're assuming it's 30 or 35, so we're we're making up a big percentage of that. Uh, Ace mentioned that it was 150 bikes down to 120, but I don't know the Malimoto number. Yeah, I yeah I think they well I mean previously they had talked about there was only a group like a smaller percentage of it, but still I mean that's either any which way you slice it. I mean you if you look at it as a hundred riders, you know you guys made the top 100 riders in the world for this because i mean there is i can only imagine the entry list even as as expensive and as as big as an undertaking that it is to get to the dakar there is still a very long list of people that that apply way beyond what they're willing to take yeah it was it was interesting from skylar and maybe ricky that 
part of that decision, I think, was driven around the fact that the cars are getting so fast they're catching the bikes these days. And so they've, they've, they've tried to make it for only the top bikes for the faster speeds, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. They, they're, they're doing that. They're, they're talking about cars catching bikes faster, but then they just put a speed limit on the bikes. I know. <laughs> Not that they go over a hundred the whole way, but you know, I mean, so, I, so Mo, what are you, what are you working now? Now that this hurdle is done, what's, what's next for you? Uh, you just trying to, trying to figure out the fall schedule and, um, you know, get as much time in and on the rally replica as I can and probably do some training rides on my 701 long range. Uh, I was thinking about doing some BDRs and a bunch of Baja loops mm-hmm. with a good crew down there. And, um, yeah, I mean, just trying to figure out if I'm actually just going to walk away from my job for four or five months instead of trying to explain to them that I'm not around much or, um, you know, but just try to take it all as seriously as I can and, you know, support, uh, be as supportive as I can with in, in my role with the team and see where we end up. Yeah, and, that, and that's actually a good point. I, I, I'd been meaning to ask this, but what what are the, do you guys have like roles on the team, like, you know, there, there. It's already just been said, right? There's particular strengths with each member of the team. Do you guys have roles that revolve around that, or? I don't know how to answer it for everybody else, but I think I am in a good position to be in that support role. You know, like I, I don't know how Kyle got so fast in the past year, and I know David and Jim are fast, and Paul's obviously very gifted, and so. I don't want to say I'm the weak link, but I can consistently be, you know, reliably behind those guys. So when they need a gas tank or a part or a lever or whatever, I feel like I'm going to be in that role. I don't know if it's the water boy role or the domestic role, but, um, you know, my goal is to get to the finish line and make sure that everybody else gets to the finish line too. So well, I don't think, I don't think I'm a high risk rider, but, uh, consider myself to be consistent so i i feel like that at you know it's like i for the dakar i would take that any day because just of how long and how much you guys are going to go through you know the having the consistency is going to yeah. be the key you know making it to the end of each stage uh, but but you know here in, in in stateside you have you have a navigation background right is that oh uh, yeah i mean i i definitely am comfortable with a compass and a bearing and uh, vectoring, if you will, and as well as dead reckoning. Um, I'm always afraid, you know, anytime I start trying to teach somebody about that stuff, their eyes glaze over and I don't feel like it's, uh, my communication skills and teaching that aspect of nav are, are that good, but yeah, Mo, I, I, I feel like you're talking to me directly. I've learned a lot from you on your dead reckoning, but yes, sometimes my eyeglasses glaze over. Yeah. I, pre- I prefer, I prefer a map. You know, I like looking at maps and everything else. I was actually just looking for a map of Saudi Arabia, a, a paper map, which I don't want to say is rare, but in this day and age, it is a little rare. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know how, I can support the team with my navigational stuff, but maybe it's before racing or after racing. We can talk about stuff. I don't know how that works on the course because I'd have to, you know, literally be with them. 
and you know maybe that happens but um yeah navigation is probably something i'm i'm comfortable with it's fair to say yeah and i mean you know, it's interesting. You, you just said that and being on the course and being together it also it actually gave me goosebumps to see it like I could see it on TV right now. It's like you guys all riding together. You know, it just works out on a stage where you're all running together. I mean, that that's just huge. I mean, it's you you guys are all signed up for what is the toughest like. I don't know if arguably the toughest class, but in my mind is the toughest class because you guys have to do everything. The mechanic work, you have to do the, 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 the prep. Everything is on you guys. You don't have somebody to hand the bike off to. So this is huge, you know, for, for you guys. Yeah, and that's part of the process as well. You know, I mean, I view I'm happy to help my teammates in the bivouac at night. You know, I feel like people have different skill sets with the tools, and I'm happy to help, uh, you know, my my brothers with anything they need. And, you know, I think that they'll pick up other areas of things that they're good at, but, uh, you know, I think the five of us are going to work together and that's always been the plan and people's strengths are going to come out quick and, and people are going to be left to, you know, make it happen. Yeah. Nice. I, I agree. I think it's, it, it will be really cool to see that, you know, and see you guys band together and, and, and help each other. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that they got a lot of coverage this year for Mal- Malamoto. Uh, and for what you guys are, what you guys are doing. So, yeah, yeah. so talk to me about rally bike. I saw it at, uh, I saw it down at, uh, San Quintin. Yeah. She's a, she's a big girl. So stock, you know, stock FE 501, no gas is about 250 pounds. And this rally bike is 309 without gas carries 8.4 gallons of gas. And, when I get on it, you know, I don't feel like I'm on something that weighs that much. They've the engineering wise, it's an amazing machine. It feels very planted. And, you know, the more time I spend on it, the more comfortable I get. It, uh, it kind of beat me up at the Yellowstone Wyoming Tulip Festival. Um, probably not the right machine for that event, but amazing machine. I feel very lucky to have, uh, gotten one and i owe david a big thank you for that and um it's uh it's a real treat i feel you know honored so it's good yeah and for the for the audience what mo's referring to is a ktm 450 rally factory replica most people call it just 450 rfr and it's the closest thing to the actual factory bike obviously in its name that KTM uses at Dakar and also the same bike as Husky that you heard from Skylar and the same bike as Gas Gas. They're all three effectively the same bike now. Um, it's really difficult to get your hands on these bikes. They make roughly 80 a year. And so that's why Victor's asking this question. It's a really important question. And, and uh, Mo and myself and David are lucky enough to have one. Paul and I work, are going to be working together on mine as we train up to be mechanics on the bike. Nice. Yeah. The, the, the crazy thing to that too is they don't, they don't make them to pass any EPA or customs equation in the States. So getting them imported in is usually a bit of a challenge. Uh, we're all hoping that over the next couple of years, as rally gets more, more, more prevalent here in the United States that KTM and Husky will actually bring them in and let them be what they are here too. You know, uh, as far as I know, there are no rally bikes here stateside. 
Um, so we'll move on to the next subject. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, they are, they are, I mean, as far as a travel bike and, and Mo actually you have, so you're on the 701 LR and, and you've put some, you know, we talked at length about that bike and you put a lot of work into that LR. Um, are they closer together or further apart than you would say the 501 versus the RFR? Oh, are you there? Oh, I might have dropped off. Oh, he's yeah. gone. Yeah, he's gone. He'll be back in a sec. But so the reason, you know, obviously, I mean, you guys know the the reason for the question for those playing the home game is, uh, so Mo has a 701 long range uh, that was only made for a couple of years, but it has the bigger tank up front uh, on the Husky. It has the ladder frame still, which is similar to the RFR, the Rally Factory replica bike. Uh, but then also he's ridden, I, I always saw him on the 501. That was his rally bike with the Sonora tower, uh, set up. So I'm just curious to see, you know, which, which one may feel closer for him, uh, especially after investing a lot of money in the 701. We don't spend money on bikes here. We invest money. <laughs> just to be clear. I'm back. I think. Yeah. You're back in. Sorry. Uh, uh the. Uh, the question well, I let's think look, was let's hit Mo with a couple more questions. We... Nope. All right. Yeah. Reset. So yeah. So Mo, it was uh, the question was about the the seven hundred one LR versus the RFR versus the five hundred one. So the RFR carries more gas than any of those bikes, mm-hmm. and it's the one that doesn't feel like you're carrying any gas. Like the way the knees sit into the forward tanks and stuff, you don't even know you're on a machine that can carry that much gas the transmissions are totally different the the just the gearing is totally different and the lr is very balanced it's got a you know two balancers i think in it and it's very smooth down the road the rfr thumps a little bit harder and i would say that a 501 that's been modified is probably closer to the rfr than the 701 lr to be honest okay and so if you could like, say, for instance, if, if I was a real, like, you know, well, I'm a fan of the, a 701 or the 690 and then using the kits that are available that basically make it, no, I'm not going to say make it an RFR, but get it pretty close. They have the tanks, they have the stuff, you know, could, could it be done? And, and you think that would be a good, good rally bike, you know, for longer travel stuff? I think we may have lost him again. Yeah. In in and out. Yeah, because I I know that, like, I know uh, Johnson has the the 690s or a 690 that is kind of one of the older generation rally bikes that uh, I believe is not stateside, if anybody's listening from the EPA. But um, so I'm, you know, that's that's kind of a curiosity is this, which, you know, how those bikes are are in comparison. I don't know. I don't know if I should ditch the 790 and just build a, a, a ladder frame 690. You should. Well, I don't know. Don't get me opinionated on the 690s. And <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Buy an RFR. Just, uh, buy, buy an RFR? <laughs> yep. <laughs> no. well, I just got to figure out how to get them. I think uh, if you guys can hear me again, yeah. um, I was having a chat with one of the 
one of the boys from KTM and more. I think we're having a lot of trouble with Skynet tonight. Yeah, we may have we may have lost him, but but that's okay. I think we probably should let the American Rally Originals folks go, and we yeah. got one more call to make, right? With Ace. Yeah, we got one more Ace Nelson. Let me uh let me start queuing him up. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so um, you know all all of this bike technology. Yeah, here's yeah. the. Uh, it, oh, are you still with me? Uh, I'm here. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, I, yeah. so I think if all goes well, Paul's going to get a little experience on the RFR coming up here in the next couple of rounds of races as well. So it'll be good to see him at Sonora and possibly the Baja on the RFR as well. Yeah, I believe I believe that's the plan. I don't I don't have an RFR. I have a bunch of wore out dirt bikes at this point, and uh, an opportunity to spend some time on an RFR in a race environment I think is very valuable for me. I'm, I'm much appreciated. His his yeah. dirt bikes are worn out, by the way, because Paul rides and races more than any of us. But <laughs> <laughs> and he wins, he wins, so that's why they're worn out. So it's a good excuse. I have a bunch of broken KTM's, old and broken KTM's, and uh, my budget's a little bit tight, you know. <laughs> Careful, Paul, Paul. People are listening. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul, we're going to let you go, and I'm going to see you uh, tomorrow to do some trials riding. So I'll see you, my friend, and we appreciate your time today. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys very much, and uh, thank you, Victor, and the whole team. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, Kyle. God, and I, and I got to go to work tomorrow. You guys are going riding. <laughs> I'm getting lucky and taking the day off. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm heading up to Flagstaff to run a road book on Friday, Saturday. I think we're going to actually connect up with Happy Dave and then Mason. And uh, it's impressive. The AMA is recognizing the increase in road book uh, activity. And nice. I talked to them on the COTA because they are looking at the COTA as maybe a potential future FIA event mm-hmm. so hopefully we get that oh yeah let's grow this yeah i um i had spoken briefly with uh eric kudla who was the person or he was at uh baja rally before i was and and we talked about that and then the whole rally thing and so yeah it, it sounds like they're definitely up to to help it help it grow and and speaking about more people uh, entering into the dakar and getting accepted Ace. Good evening, guys. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. You know, it's uh, it's the middle of the week. We're almost there. <laughs> right on. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, it's it's been a fantastic day. Uh, my day seems to extend we into the wee hours in the morning, and then uh, get up before the sun rises and start it all over again. So, <laughs> R- rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Ace, my question is how much Ace, my first question is how much of that is work related and how much of that is Dakar rally related? I, I would say the um the percentages in the in that order work being uh ten percent, Dakar being ninety percent. <laughs> For those of yeah, you that's listening, what I was gonna say. Yeah. Ace, it's been a fantastic week, not just a day, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh since since Friday at 0625 it's been uh pretty much uh wfo full gas nice 
So, I mean, and speaking of, so you get the letter, you get the acceptance. What's the first thing on your mind? Like, okay, now I got to do this. What is that? You know, the first, the first notification came from uh, Philippe Dubrowski, who's the manager of uh, Dust Company mm-hmm. in Poland. And um, it came via a WhatsApp uh, text. And, and Molly, she was walking out the door, she saw my phone buzz, and, and I'm on call all the time for the hospital. So she'll, she'll grab my phone and just see if it's important. And she came over and swatted me, and she's like, you got in. And I said, what? She goes, yeah, you got into the car. I'm like, no, no, that's not the case. That can't be it. And because we had just gone through this the previous week um, with kind of a vague kind of um, cryptic email that everybody got, you know, so it was like they, they referred to you as a competitor and, you know, there was all kinds of signs that you got in. But then there was this one paragraph that says, and we'll be letting you know in August, you know, we'll be doing additional follow-up in August. So it was like, ah, oh, that's not it. So talked to Philippe uh, by phone. And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll probably get something in, in middle to late August and know for sure. So I really didn't believe it at first. And then uh, I texted him. He says, yeah, congratulations, you're in. He confirmed it. I'm like, I still didn't believe it. I'm like, not until I see something from Dakar official. And so I opened my email and it was about 6.35 and at 6.30, an email had come through from Dakar and it was the official notification. I just lost my mind. I got um, really kind of overwhelmed emotionally. I started crying. I'm like, hey, toughen up, man. You got you to gotta get with the program here. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here, comes, yeah, it was, here, here comes the rest of the fun <laughs> yeah it was you know i really didn't expect it but this has been such a, a long road i you know i set this goal four years ago and i've been slowly picking away at it and then the pandemic hit and the hospital work went nuts and it was like mm, is this really going to happen so it's uh yeah this is a dream that's um starting you know we're one step closer you know, and, and each each step along the way is, you know, get the application in. That was a feat in itself. Kyle, David, they can tell you about it. It's it's not an easy process. Um, so to get accepted on the first try and not be put into a provisional status or something like that, I, I couldn't be more stoked. Yeah, that 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 is awesome. I mean, that's that's been a reoccurring theme for the for this episode and, and talking, you know, the, the big deal that it is. Right. You know, we have uh, 10 now. Uh, I'm hearing 11 riders. Uh, that are that are running under the U.S. flag, and it's the acceptance rate and having that many people, and then also hearing that they're cutting back the number of entries for the motorcycle team. So, or teams. So, I mean, it's a it has to be an even better feeling, you know, knowing that now it's it's a smaller group, it's a more, it's a more precise group, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's um, conversation I had with Leap probably, you know, two, three weeks ago um, was that they were reducing the number of riders from 170 to 120. And then I've heard rumors of 100. So I, I really I don't have a, a a final number of what they settled on. But um, yeah, it's funny. I'm stoked. Funny, Ace. I, for, the, for the audience, I was texting with Ace uh, just prior to him coming on asking, do you know how many... <laughs> how many riders are in. And this is what we've been talking about, Ace, and that over and over with all the other, um, you know, uh, folks that are that are in, and nobody really knows. But I would say the general consensus is that the numbers are down from 150 to at least 120, possibly 100. 
Okay. Um, and this is this is a big deal, and I think it's a kind of a seismic shift. So I keep coming back to this because I did it in 2020 supported, and, and there were 150 at the starting line. And when you reduce it by a third, it has a big impact on, on the race. So we're excited to know about that. Um, that's why we keep pounding on this ace, and that's why we're asking. And I would just say from a guy that's a little newer to riding than ace is, ace is, runs a touring uh, a touring business, which you should look up. It's a really cool high desert adventures out of Oregon. They do a lot of stuff in Mexico. Um, and I'm, you know, not incentivized to say this at all. <laughs> I'm just telling you, cause I've heard good things. And he is, um, as he mentioned, works in the hospital and hospitals and, and he's an amazing writer. And I met him early on in writing in the Baja and, um, Ace is a guy who's always extremely positive uh, has a great outlook on writing. And, and again, back to the, my statement earlier about um, some of the other folks, he's neutral, unemotional, never gets really emotional, which in my view is really important when it comes to racing your bike, the distances we'll be traveling. So so now the audience has heard from the two factory guys, um, Mason, who's kind of the next factory guy, really a couple of pros um, in Jacob, Paul Neff, and then the, the five of us on the team that are Malimoto and Ace also, and different support uh, crews. Ace is using Dust, as he described, and also Jacob is. We're using Bass Dakar. So hopefully this is giving a little bit of insight into, into the race. But uh, we appreciate you joining, Ace. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking here, and I was thinking about this when Victor and David mentioned it to me. I think it's Again, we have the most Americans ever entered, and we've got an amazing podcast that Victor's doing all this work for, and it just keeps growing the sport. So, so thank you for what you're doing as well, Victor. Yeah, of course, I'm I'm, I'm happy to help, and I get to talk to a bunch of stuff, bunch of people, and and have good times, and yeah, it's all good fun. So, so Kyle, real, real quick before I um, sign off, the reduction of of the riders. You know, I've heard some explanation that it's because of the route that, that we're taking from the coast of the Red Sea to the opposite coast of Daman and the the trek that we they intend to take us through the empty quarter. Are you of the feeling or of the same opinion that they're reducing the amount of riders to uh, accommodate or account for the difficulty that this Dakar is projected to be it's a good question and i don't know i I would i have two views on this one is what skylar said earlier in the in the uh, podcast uh which is it's for safety and and i do know that obviously they're trying to improve safety uh year in and year out which is good and his notion was he heard they're trying to improve safety and by reducing numbers but I always think about, you know, this is an economic machine, let's be honest, ASO, and you're giving up 50 rider slots that are paying an entry fee. <laughs> you know, I'm immediately a little bit suspicious, and that's just in my nature. So so I'm not sure what to think, but what I'm, I'm really impressed either way. I think it's um, probably the fact that we'll see, if I had to guess, we'll see 120 at most. Uh, enter as opposed to 150 as as is common in years past and and um you know it's pretty impressive to re- to focus on safety too so hopefully that's that's the case 
Yeah, that'd be great. I think so. I think this this year is going to be there's going to be a lot of challenges with the with the time, the timing for the the guys opening stages and and the top riders up there or you know in the in the standings, um, speed limits, alternate routes, two extra days. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces that weren't or, or new changes that weren't a part of last year's. You know, so I, I'm I'm really curious to see how this year shakes down and with a smaller group. I mean, I think that'll be cool. So. Yeah, and I, you know, and that's a good point, Victor. And that maybe my last point for the night um, mm-hmm. is that you know, if you think about it, over forty five years, I look at the history of the distance and the distance alone that has changed so dramatically uh, over time that while it's changing, and each of these individual changes feel big to us competitors, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a. For example. The Paris, the, the Paris to Dakar rally, that's how it was originally called, actually went Paris to South Africa and back to Paris at one point, which is an insane, insane distance. <laughs> it would be like, I think, four times the distance of what we're about to do in January. So, so it's just an example of how this thing has evolved so much and obviously different continents over time. And that, to me, by the way, is what makes it the most exciting, right? It makes it the most interesting. And as Mason said earlier, um, you know, it's at some level, it's just about the adventure and you really have to just enjoy the adventure and focus on finishing first and then on your place. Yeah. I, I mean, any race of this, of this size, I mean, and it's, you compare it to any of the, like, you know, the score races, right? San Felipe, the Baja, the 500, the thousand, uh, any of the rallies and any of that stuff. I mean, it's it's all about the challenge and making it to the line, and then and then where you land. To, to Ace's point, it's one of the when I watch all of the series and the shows, and you talk about the emotional swings of this race. It's amazing how many guys I see cry on TV at the Dakar. You know, it's just a, and some of it's just from the, just the sheer exhaustion, the experience of finishing the race. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, I've I've seen that on the podium. I have seen that on the the videos and the pictures. I'm, and I will say I'm looking forward to seeing all you guys cry on stage. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have to do some screenshots and then we'll we'll share those. <laughs> no, but I mean honestly, I mean that's that is the, uh, you know, for for the audience watching you know for us over here while you guys are over there doing it, i mean that's going to be cool and to see you know if you guys cross paths and ride together on stages and to see all of that kind of stuff i mean it's just going to be really cool and and it's and it's a very big indicator uh you guys are are, are leading the charge into dakar this you know for 2023 and and leading what is going to be in 2024 a bigger group Ace, any any words of inspiration or wisdom for eleven people going across the finish line? Finish up our night. Oh man, you know, there's. There, I'm a rookie here, um, full on amateur going into this, um, and so I, I'm trying to just be very methodical and and systematic about the approach and my training leading up to this and. Um, I've got some really good people in my corner that are helping me along. I'm 
probably in the best shape that I've been in in 25 years. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I'm 51 now, uh, so I'll be taking my Geritol before each day. <laughs> I'll be following. I'll be following you, Dave. I think you're the only one that's a little bit. You and Jim are maybe the only ones that are older than I am. So, you know, I, the goal is to finish, and um, there is no quit. And I will do whatever it takes to get there. I'm actually reading. Uh, uh, maybe Kyle knows about this book, but uh, there's a there's a book out by a former Navy SEAL called "Enjoy the Suck, Embrace okay. the Suck." I can't remember the exact title, but it's something like that. Um, and it's it's all about the mental fortitude needed to do um, well for him. It was Hell Week, you know, uh, qualifying to be a Navy SEAL. For us, it's going to be two weeks of hell, and um, the mental uh, the mental fatigue that you encounter in that you you must be prepared for it. Um, and there's there's a few ways to go about that, but you, you got to figure it out before you get there. So, you know, if day one's a rough day and you, you're out there on the course for 18, 20 hours, you got three hours of sleep to get up and make it right the next day and you got to figure out how to do that. So that's kind of the focus of my preparation aside from all the stuff that I'm doing to be physically ready for the event. Um, mentally, being mentally tough, I think is going to be the key. Bruno. I would agree with that, and I'm not even going. One one of these days, I'll go as press. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it, Ace. Um, and I appreciate, we appreciate your time. And, and again, 10 of us, and by the way, I think somebody, Ace mentioned, uh, not somebody, Victor mentioned 11, and that's because we think we found out during the course of this um, podcast that, uh, from Skyler, that... Um, Peter Vilchik is going to compete in the Dakar. He's been he's been accepted, and and he's a dual citizen. For those that follow the history, he tends to ride. He lives in South Carolina. He tends to ride for the Czech uh, Czech flag. But this year, he's apparently, according to Skyler, riding for the U.S. So that would make an unprecedented eleven <laughs> entries from the U.S. Very cool. So, yeah. So keep your eyes out for that. But we definitely appreciate your um your time ace and um and i'll turn it back to you uh victor thanks for having me on guys it's been fun yeah i appreciate it awesome. ace, and, and and good luck and and we're absolutely going to be in touch uh to document the journey right on awesome enjoy have a good evening yeah you too see thank ya. you see ya see you buddy nice okay we did it we did it wow <laughs> <laughs> All 10 with Skynet issues and all. <laughs> so not, not bad, but I'm, I'm excited. And, and do, honestly, you guys are, are doing, you know, banding together and as a team and doing everything together. I think that that's, that's going to be huge. Um, I, you know, I can't wait for, for the stories and to watch you guys on TV and, and doing all of this stuff and, uh, and the next training event, you know, I, I really hope uh, that's something that you guys continue to do. Uh, because I think it was, I think it was huge. I really enjoyed the time down there in San Quintin and watching you guys work with, with new people getting into the sport and doing that stuff was, was absolutely huge. So yeah, Scott did a great job with the Baja rally and, and, you know, hopefully if you're listening to this, you're, you're in the network and we'll see you at Cota, we'll see you at Baja, we'll see you at Sonora. Um, and, and we'll see you. So it's good that you're coming out riding. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and, <laughs> 
it's just the road book. It won't bite. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Uh, I got another, we, we came up with another tagline when I was talking to Willem Evan, but I, I, I'll full disclosure, since we're recording episodes out of order, I don't want to say it yet, but it'll, it'll be, we're, we're changing the tagline at the end. So, well, you know me, it's, uh, and I stole this one from Kyle, but it's all about constant forward momentum for me every day. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> that is very true. So, all right, Kyle, any parting words? No, I, um, you know, I appreciate your time victory. What you, you know, I guess the last point I would make maybe for parting words would be this podcast. If you think about it, there's not a lot of ways to follow this sport and Victor pours his time and energy into this. So appreciate your time doing this and, and all of that. And it's just growing the sport and that you're, you're a lot of the reason that we're up to 11 Americans here doing this. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Nice. David. Skynet issues. Of course he gets the Skynet <laughs> in the last minute. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, there he is. Is he back? No. All right. I don't know. I think he might've jumped off, but that is Okay. It has been, uh, I think we're going down for the uh, longest Dakar rally coming up in January. And uh, this is the longest podcast episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. They'll be duly informed with all facts. Yeah, exactly. So nice. David, you back? I am. I uh, clearly living in northern Phoenix for a short period of time has Wi-Fi issues. But uh, uh, awesome. You took this much time to talk to all of us about this. I, I can't even tell you how excited I am to get over to Saudi and sit around with my compadres, if that's the right word and, mm -hmm. and do some bench racing and all everybody sit there at the finish. So absolutely, let's get it done. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys do that. And I appreciate you guys, uh, with the journey. I was telling them it's the longest episode so far. So digging it. All right. All right thanks boys. Guys. Awesome guys. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good night. Thank you. Have a good night. See you. See ya. That is a wrap. All right. 10 of the American writers. And as we found out, there is an 11th writer that we're going to have to be reaching out to just to talk a little bit about them. I know who they're talking about. I was not aware of it, but we'll uh, we'll figure this out. But um, they're going to listen to this on Sunday and when they hear it. And I really want to say thank you to to everybody that, that, that jumped in. Ricky, Skyler, Mason, uh, you know, Ace, David. Uh, Kyle, Mo, Paul, everybody that jumped in, Jim, everybody. I really appreciate you guys uh, taking some time out of you wherever you were in the world uh, to talk a little bit about rally and getting accepted into the Dakar rally for 2023. So again, I'm super excited to see how this goes down. Uh, remember, guys, don't forget, like, share, subscribe. You're going to need to split this episode up into a few sittings. Sorry, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. Hopefully you guys uh, share it. Let me know what your favorite part was. What what did you guys learn about the Dakar rally coming in 2023? I want to hear about it and find out a little bit more what you guys are thinking. And as always, if you got any questions about getting into the sport of rally or uh, adventure bikes, any of that kind of stuff, let me know. Reach out to me. I'm happy to point you into the right direction if I don't know the answer. So anyway, with that being said, shiny side up and on the gas.
All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Bye.